flight controllers. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Fido. We're go fly. Tell me. Go. Control. Hill Procedures. Go. Network. We are go. We are go. We are go for launch. It's time for the drive with Josh Graham. Live from the Sports Hub Studios, here's Josh Graham. It is Friday. Bit of delayed reaction there. You made it through the week. Short week next week. Holiday week next week. Life is good, right? Welcome to the drive. I'm your host, guest host, Desmond Johnson here. I'll be your tour guide for the next three hours. Loaded show today. NBA free agent frenzy. We're going to get all up into that. Brandon Marks from the Charlotte Observer will be on in the first hour to discuss some Carolina Panther news. Uh, a little talk about the defensive backfield. A little talk about fullback, uh, fullback Alex Arma. Has a couple of articles on charlotteobserver.com this week that I wanted to touch base with him on. Training camps are sneaking up on us, man. They're going to be here mid-July. So got a little bit of that for you today. Charlotte Observer writer Scott Fowler is going to be on in the 4 o'clock hour to talk some Charlotte Hornets because they are all over the news right now concerning uh, Mr. Kimball Walker. WXII Sports Chris Lee and Netcast Sports owner Marcus Shockley will join me in the 5 p.m. hour. But right now, please welcome PhenomHoopsReport.com and uh, Sports Carolina Monthly contributor Brandon Blakeney to the drive. What is going on, sir? What's up? Hey, man. I'm alive and healthy, Des. I have no complaints. Hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into this here. So first of all, we got a Twitter poll question up at... Um, at our uh, Twitter account at Sports Hub Triad, you can go and chime in on this over the course of the show today. Where do you think Kemba will sign the Lakers, the Celtics, the Hornets? And this was a pretty wild question just four days ago. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like the Lakers and Celtics would even be involved in this. And now the Boston Celtics have emerged as front runners for our beloved Kemba Walker. 336-777-1600 is the number to call to chime in on any of the topics today or hit us up on our Twitter, Sports Hub Triad. Sawyer Dillon is my producer extraordinaire. Uh, Aaron Gabriel is running our social media. We're all up in the house. We are all up in the building. Let's go ahead and get into this, man. NBA free agency. I had to have Brandon in because he's one of the guys that I know that really follows hoops very well. Oh yeah. Uh, you probably heard him with me on the rundown on Saturdays, a couple Saturdays or whatnot. I just, I just want to dive headfirst into these NBA storylines. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So just for starters, somehow the – let's think about where the L.A. Lakers were a month ago. I mean, we were on this this station. I'm a Laker fan, and I was on the station calling them an utter, complete dumpster fire. Uh-huh. I mean, there, were, there was talk about should they trade LeBron James. Yeah. It got to that point. I mean, it got really, really bad. Somehow the Lakers have emerged from last month's PR disaster with the Magic Johnson thing, him stepping down, uh, kind of putting Rob Palenka on blast on first take. Uh, Jeannie Buss kind of seeming like she's absent. Mm-hmm. They went from that to basically being in a position to be the team to beat next year, and they're yep. just getting started. Definitely. I mean, so they so yesterday news came out. The Lakers traded off the rest of their roster. It didn't really matter who was on that, uh, <laughs> who it was. At this point. Mo, Mo uh, Wagner from yeah, uh, Michigan, Michigan, the first-round pick from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was involved in that as well. They trade them to uh, Washington to add on to the – Pelicans deal that they did for Anthony Davis. Plus, Anthony Davis waves his $4 million trade kicker, who I was on record saying he shouldn't take it in the first place because mm-hmm. uh, a trade kicker is put into a contract 
so that you're not traded to if you are traded to a place you don't want to go, you'll get some compensation for going wherever you're exactly. going. He forced himself out of New Orleans and specifically said, I will I want to go to L.A. Yeah. So why yeah. would he get four million dollars for forcing the trade mm-hmm. that would <laughs> that would make him get an extra four million it's, from the team he asked to go to? It's unnecessary at this point. He, he doesn't want to go anywhere else. Right. So he so they got Anthony Davis. They cleared thirty two million dollars in cap room. That's enough to grab a second max player. Let's start it off right here, Brandon. Who do you think they should go after, or should they just use the money on the rest of the roster? Well, the headline today is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, buddy. And uh, he's definitely taking meetings with both L.A. teams. I think you got to go all in on Kawhi to start off with. Um, Just We know what he's bringing. We don't have to really break down to that. We know what he's bringing. Best player in the East this year, aside Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. Um, he, he's just a winner. And you put that big three together? Oh, my goodness. Who's the third player in that big three? That's my that's my concern because, like, every place LeBron has gone where a big three has <laughs> been formed around him, one of those all-stars had to fall back and be the mm. third guy. I don't see a 26-year-old. Is he 26, Anthony Davis? 25, 26? Yeah, he, he's around that age, about 26 years old. I don't see him playing the Chris Bosh, Kevin no, Love role. not at all. And Kawhi Leonard. I don't see him doing that either. Is and it LeBron? I think LeBron <laughs> maybe gets a little taken off his load. And maybe he turns more into a point forward. Already, you know, we've seen him lead teams and assists, but I think he takes more of a point guard role with this team if they don't end up filling out the roster and signing one. That would be a way to get around that if they mm-hmm. don't sign a point guard, just let LeBron play a uh, point forward. And Kawhi's uh, locking up whoever at, yeah. at LeBron's guard and Kawhi oh, can guard. So. Ah, I'm excited. It's <laughs> see, And this is crazy because the season ended two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here leading off this show <laughs> with NBA free agency talk, and it's the talk of the sports world. I mean, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later on in the show, but I mean, it's it's baseball season. Mm-hmm. Got NASCAR going on. We do have a uh, Women's World Cup today. United oh, States yeah. versus France. Big, huge quarterfinal matchup. Sawyer and Aaron going to keep us posted on that score as that's going on over the course of this show. That was a big game they won against Spain. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, when we first did this uh, World Cup soccer update thing, uh, Josh Graham, the host of The Drive, he was, he was telling me and Aaron, he was like, uh, you know, just, just come, just let me. When there's a score, interrupt and just come in and let me know the score. Oh yeah. And when we did that, it was their opening round game that they scored 13 goals oh, in. Oh, that match was ugly. Man, we <laughs> in the second <laughs> half it got to the point where we were interrupting them like every like minute and a half. <laughs> it was just like we we're just coming in. They scored again. It's six to nothing. Oh wait, it's seven to nothing. Oh, oh wait, it's eight to nothing. So like we just kept yeah. coming in and out for them. But I don't think that's gonna happen today. France is actually really good. Yeah, this matchup's been brewing. The one that everybody's been expecting. So we'll keep you updated on that as well. Well, um, the back to the NBA though. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Oh no! Did someone say France is really good? Oh damn! Because the women's team has taken a 1-0 lead against France six minutes into the first half. Wow. Are you serious right now? Is it Alex Morgan? Is she it was perfect there? timing. Uh, it was Rapinoe scoring oh, the Rapinoe's first goal. Oh, has been on three Man. goals in the last two games. Oh, my gosh. Me? Okay, well, it's oh, 3.07. <laughs> we just opened the show, and I was warning Sawyer about this when I told him I want you to give me some updates if they score. I did, we Neither one of us thought they were going to score this early because France is pretty good. Yeah, they're uh, stout. But we'll keep you on track for that so you don't have to keep flipping back and forth to that. You can listen to the drive for the next three hours. We'll give you updates on that throughout the show. Let's – uh. Listen, we're going to talk about the Lakers a little bit later on. I'm going to get to Kimball Walker because <laughs> Kimball Walker all of a sudden has become front and center, yeah. uh, like a, a, a major player in terms of what's going to happen. For sure. Uh, th- man, the NBA, man, it, just by moving 
I don't even know if it really affected or not, but by them moving the opening of the free agency period from Monday, they moved it up like like 12 hours to like mm-hmm. Sunday at 6 p.m. Yep. So it, it's caused this like situation where they're gonna do- they're gonna dominate the headlines all weekend anyway, but it's gonna build to a crescendo on Sunday, and that doesn't even mean people are gonna sign right mm-hmm. away because it sounds like Kawhi is gonna wait like a week before he oh, signs. Yeah, they're and taking he's the, their official visits. He's the biggest piece. So <laughs> let's let's talk about Kemba here real quick. Uh, Brandon, what the hell's going on in Charlotte? Well, what we've been seeing for years now, total utter chaos. What is, I mean, wow, this is, so the reports right now, Boston has become the lead suitor for Kimball Walker. Kick the Mavs out the way. Kick the Mavs all the way out of here. But like the Boston has room because obviously Kyrie Irving's not coming back. Mm -hmm, Al Horford's going to probably move on. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden Boston has all this cap room they can use and they've got Jason Tatum still. They never let him go. They got Jalen Brown. They got some young guys. Terry Rozier's still there. Still still trying to develop. What uh, With Kimba, uh, it it sounds like Boston's going to offer him four years, $141 million. Yeah. Uh, did Kimba make a mistake by saying that he'd be willing to take less in Charlotte? Because it sounds like now that Kimba is lowballing or getting lowballed by the Hornets. He has been compared to some of the franchise point guards that have stuck around. You think of Mike Conley's contract a couple years ago mm-hmm. was uh, noticeably higher than that. Um, I, the The thing that gets me is. If he stays with the Hornets and takes that pay cut, he's still getting more than 140, and he's probably only losing about 20 mil. I, so yeah. he'd still probably get close to 200, if not 200. With I was, the Hornets. I had thought maybe two weeks ago when he first said it, five years, 150, 160 million. That's mm. 30 million per year. Yeah, I mean that's still max yes. player money, but it's not like 44 million, mm. uh, you know, or whatever. It's not elite point guard money, right? But I mean, he is an elite point guard. I thought Kimball Walker is a top 15 player Easily. right now. You know, um, he I deserves. You could throw him in there. He's been steady. It's just there's nothing around him in Buzz City to get any attention buzzing in the city. See, that's the problem right there. Um, actually, we've got a. Uh, Got some breaking news here in NBA free agency. Uh, Sawyer, what you got for me, bro? Um, Golden State actually is planning to offer Klay Thompson the maximum that they can, five-year, $190 million, as soon as free agency opens up on Sunday. So probably saw it coming, but they're making sure they're trying to get their guy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense well because, deserved. you know, Klay Thompson's the type of dude, Klay Thompson's the type of fellow where if they showed up at 602, like in his driveway, like, hey, we got the Max Clay Black. Nah, bro, you should have been here at 550, like with that money. Like you already, <laughs> my man went out and tried to play on a torn ACL. Yeah. Uh, and, and, went back two to, free throws. and then went back to play defense. Like, you got to keep that guy. You got to keep playing. And his father kind of leaked it on Twitter a few months ago saying that he wasn't trying to go anywhere. Right. So, yeah, I kind of expected Clay to, to stay there and be there. I mean, you, you can't break up the Splash Brothers. I mean, nah. you're going you're gonna to pay in the Splash Brothers, you know, $400 million mm-hmm. over the course of those two contracts. Oh, yeah. But, hey, the, the Lacombs, they got the money. They're opening that new arena next year. That's going to um, bring in a lot of, lot of well, attention. Yes. A lot and of that, money, a lot of profit. That brings me to Mr. Kevin Durant and what he Ooh. may be doing because now this week it's rumored that he's leaning towards leaving Golden State because he's upset with the Golden State medical yep. staff for how which they handled, which we talked about on the rundown, <laughs> that he shouldn't have been out there playing in the first place. And no one knows for sure. This, all this stuff's rumor. Pretty much everything you hear today about the NBA free agency period, it's all mm-hmm. rumor and window. Nobody knows anything. Some of these players don't even know where they're going yet. But Truthfully, and KD's probably one of those guys. Right, KD might not even know for sure. It, he's been attached to the Knicks for really a year, to which I never quite understood. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's the Knicks and all this stuff, but they haven't won a championship since 1973. 
they haven't even been in the NBA Finals since 94. So uh, does Kevin Durant want to go there and basically start with scratch? Have you looked at the Knicks roster? <laughs> I have, and uh, there's some young pieces, but they're not in any position to win now. My thing is I've been seeing him linked to Brooklyn Nets, mm. the Brooklyn Nets a lot lately. Kyrie's visited him twice since the offseason started. Well, once was after the initial injury, and then recently KD was up in New York, and Kyrie visited him there. So they've been kind of clicking, meeting up, having secret meetings to really talk about making this thing a realistic thing. Interesting. A package deal. Let me uh, let me get Wayne from Greensboro. He's on the line. He wants to talk free agency with us. What's up, Wayne? You're on the drive. Yeah, thanks, Des. Uh, you know me. I, I'm so PO'd, I, I just can't. I can't think straight. Kemba would qualify for the $221 million Right. over five years, and Jordan offers them $161 million. I mean, $60 million different. I don't blame Kemba for saying, screw you, I'm going to Boston. Well, we don't know for sure that, that he said, you know, screw you, Mr. Jordan. I'm yeah, going to we Boston. don't know that he said that. <laughs> uh, Warzanowski is saying that that uh, Kemba will be signed Sunday night. It's a done deal. Mm. And Woj is uh, pretty pretty well respected in the industry. Um, definitely. Yeah, so. and what gets me is that Jordan says we can't pay a luxury tax. We pay a luxury tax for one year. He can afford the damn money. The only thing that's going to be hurting is his is his personal bank account. Uh, I mean, Jordan's the problem. He's always been the problem. He's the one that, you know, we, we like to blame Rich Cho, but Rich Cho couldn't take a leak without getting approval from Jordan. I mean, he, Jordan's the guy that demanded that we pass on Jonathan Mitchell a couple years ago. And took this garbage guy, Malik Monk. Oh no! I mean, <laughs> he's still young. We, you know, there's still some upside there. Uh no, he thinks he's the next reincarnation of uh, uh, what's his face in Houston. Uh, oh, James, oh Harden. James Harden. James Harden, and he doesn't play any defense. And he, the the coach has all these schemes, and he can't learn them or refuses to run them. Uh, I was hoping he'd get traded, but it really doesn't matter now. I mean, you know. Hey, Wayne. We'll never, ever get a Kemba Walker in this in Charlotte again, and we're going to let him go over one year of luxury tax. That sucks. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Hey, man. I, I, Brandon, I think we touched the nerve. I uh, think so. <laughs> and I, I, do, I did hear rumblings that Jordan didn't want to pay luxury tax on yeah. a losing team. Yeah, he didn't want to play I luxury mean, tax for know. a team that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Now, the yeah. Hornets missed the playoffs by one game. They had mm-hmm. a lot of injuries in the beginning of the year, really throughout the year. Uh, Coach Borrego didn't really start playing the, they're called the young guns, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, Devontae Graham Dwayne Bacon. Yeah, they yeah. started playing them with Kemba, and they, they all started hanging out with each other yeah, at the end of the year. So they're yeah. all, he wants to stay, but... I mean, can you really blame the guy if he's got to go because of something like this? Let's uh, let's do this. We're going to talk a little bit more NBA later. I got Brandon for one more segment here. Coming up, we always talk about who is the best NBA player of all time, but we all know deep down in our hearts it's Michael Jordan. We witnessed it. We recorded it. We worshipped it. But I want to have a conversation no one ever has. Who is the second best player in NBA history? Load up my phone lines, Triad. Tell us your pick, 336-777-1600. We'll give you our pick next in the drive. Talking about talk, talk. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the, the Sports, Sports Hub, Hub at AM 600, AM 920.
I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say. Like that's 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 good stuff right there. <laughs> You're in a Friday edition of the drive. This is Desmond Johnson. I am guest hosting for Josh Graham. He'll be back Monday. He had a much needed vacation this past week. Phenomsportsreport.com. Brandon Blakeney in the house with yes, me here sir. for one more segment. And uh if you want to listen to previous episodes of The Drive or my show, The Rundown with Desmond Johnson, on the go, WSGS Sports Hub shows now available in all major podcast formats, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Simply search the full name of the show, download, and enjoy. Do we? I'm almost afraid to ask, do we have an update on World Cup here? <laughs> I had it written in the script, and I think they're still at 1-0 USA, so if we get any more scores on that while we're on the air today, we'll give you updates on that. The ladies trying to advance to the semifinal round of the World Cup. Um, who's the second greatest player in NBA history? 336-777-1600 is the number to call with your opinion. Uh, I'm going to get to John from High Point here in just a second. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's not playing anymore. It could be a present, current player if, if that you know what tickles your fancy. But mm-hmm. let's start off with you. Who do you think... Behind Michael Jordan is the second greatest player in NBA history. It honestly hurts my feelings saying that he's behind Michael Jordan at this point, but I'm going with the greatest active basketball player playing right now, and that's LeBron James. Why does that hurt your feelings? Because <laughs> I believe that he's surpassed Jordan for one. For, in what? In just career-wise. <laughs> his finals wins are more impressive in my so opinion. So check on Aaron. I think he just passed out off of and, a— <laughs> And he, he's the better player. If we're talking about just player, we're, if we're not talking about accolades, rings, or whatever, you know, we could talk about Bill Russell's, you know, numerous rings. But we're talking about player— Guys that can impact the game. LeBron's a better defender. He defends way better players at this point. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. He averages more assists. <laughs> hold on, he averages here. more rebounds. Michael. So wait, you're saying LeBron is percentage. a better defender than Michael Jordan? I'm saying LeBron is a better defender than Michael Jordan. A very, a more versatile defender than Michael Jordan. He can guard all five positions. Are you kidding me? I'm looking to go see how many times uh, Jordan made the All NBA, uh, the All who's Defensive he, Team. Who's he guarding? Who? Michael Jordan. Come on, Man. you know LeBron's now are guarding. <laughs> He's guarding Clyde Drexler. LeBron's guarding Kevin Durant, seven foot. He didn't do a very good guard. job guarding he's, Kevin Durant. Guarding, Durant drops thirty five on him every time he oh, sees him. Come on, <laughs> Durant gives everybody thirty five. Kawhi true. Leonard. He's guarding Paul George of the world, the Paul Georges of the world. Man, Come hold on, on man, man, hold on, man. Just the defensive <laughs> one alone. Michael Jordan was NBA Defensive Player of the Year in nineteen eighty eight. LeBron's never won Defensive Player of the Year. Jordan is a nine-time NBA All-Defensive first team, uh, 1988 through 93, then 96 through 98. And the only reason why he didn't have 94 or 95 is because he wasn't playing. He's playing the baseball. N- <laughs> the numbers are good, but my thing is he's not guarding the same level of talent, for one. And for two, we all know the Defensive Player of the Year pretty much is isolated towards big men at this point. I mean, Rudy Gobert just won it. It's, it's kind of outrageous. All right. I'm going to respect your opinion. I'm going, I'm I have LeBron, LeBron listed here. He, he's, aver- he's averaging for his career 27 points per game, 50% uh, percent field, uh, field goal. This is for his career. Yeah. 27, yeah. 27.2 points per game, 50% field goal percentage, I seven rebounds, it. seven assists per career. 27-7-7 ain't bad. So it ain't bad. If we talking play, just overall talent, I'm taking LeBron. So I had, I had three guys in mind. LeBron was on my list. Uh, Kobe Bryant. And the guy that I'm gonna I'm gonna name the second greatest player of all time to me, and that's Magic Johnson. Like Magic just had something. Magic has the second highest win percentage of any NBA player ever at 740. The only player that has a higher percentage than him, Kawhi Leonard, 754. Larry Bird is third. Oh. Um, 
Magic, I mean, his, his numbers don't, well, some of his numbers pop out. 19.5 points per game, 7 rebounds a game, 11.2 assists per game. I think if Magic didn't have to retire early, he would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of Stockton's assist record, which is never going to be touched. It's so oh, far no. ahead of everybody. It's, it's too much. He might have been near that by then. I mean, he was averaging 11 assists per game. And again, I said the 740 win percentage. He was 5-4 and four in the NBA Finals. Uh, I think the only team they ever lost, well, no, they lost to the Celtics and they lost to the Pistons. Uh, in the finals, they lost to the Celtics three times. Um, they lost to the Bulls. And the Bulls, I'm sorry. They lost to the Bulls. So they lost the, uh, the Bulls, the Pistons, and the Celtics twice. Uh, and when they when they saw the Bulls, that was 91, and Magic yeah, was hurt old, in that series. Yeah. They were old by then, too. So I'm I, I just mm, – I understand the logic of putting in LeBron, uh, LeBron, but for me and watching Showtime and the way Magic Johnson ran that offense – I got to go with my man Magic. I mean, he's another versatile guy. They say, you know, Le- to me, LeBron plays a lot closer to Magic Johnson than he ever does compared to Jordan. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. you know, they're they're kind of the same. I think LeBron's a, a new school Magic. He's a more evolved, more physical specimen than Magic was. But skill set-wise, they're similar. See, that th- that's the thing that bothers me with LeBron. I mean, and I'm a LeBron fan, but it seems like sometimes LeBron can't figure out which one he wants to be. Sometimes mm-hmm. he wants to be Jordan. Sometimes he wants to be Magic. And he's better off trying to be Magic yeah. than trying to be Jordan. He's got an all-around game. Right, but that kind of proves my point that he's not as good as Jordan because he tries to be that. Jordan sometimes no. and can't pull it off. But I think he's just he has a better skill set than Jordan. Like we said, he's at, he's better field goal percentage. He's better all-around Player. talent yeah. i'll give him that but scoring nah he go, defense so we, nah. i'm giving him defense <laughs> he's chased down blocking guarding five positions jordan couldn't guard five positions mm, lebron can guard but, five positions but back then centers in the nba were seven foot two or whatever like the centers now are draymond green charles I mean, barkley was six five playing power forward come on man yeah but he could jump out <laughs> the gym though he could jump out I the mean, gym though he ain't guarding Ann davis mm. he's not stopping Who, Ann jordan? davis no jordan or charles barkley I think, Barkley not, could, I think Barkley could guard 16, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Dri- dribbling down the court. What is Barkley going to do with Ed Davis? Cut it out. He gonna <laughs> <laughs> Cut it out. 336-777-1600 is the number to call. If you got an opinion on our uh, our topic right now, John from High Point on who he thinks is the second best NBA player of all time. John, you're on the drive. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, for me, it would be a toss-up between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And what sets those two apart from LeBron James is that Bird and Johnson both put on their shoes to win. They did not put them on to play. And think about it. Magic Johnson was swept twice in the finals, never jumped to another NBA team. Bird lost twice in the finals, never went to another NBA team. Jordan lost in the conference playoffs repeatedly, never jumped teams. LeBron jumped to Miami now to the uh, back to Cleveland, down to the Lakers. And when Jordan was asked about when LeBron had the uh, decision on ESPN about uh, him joining the uh, Miami Heat, Jordan's response was, you think I would have called um, Magic and Larry and said, man, let's play together? said, hey, I wanted to beat those guys. And that's what sets those two apart. Thanks, John. I appreciate the call, and I agree with you 100%. Ah, that's a different time. That, well, I mean, I understand them, uh, you know, LeBron and D-Wade and Bosh. Everybody knows the story by now. This all started because of the 2008 Redeem team. And, them I mean, doing USA Basketball together caused those guys to become friends. And that's that. really, that's when they all started talking. People forget that Chris Paul, Amari Stoudemire, and, uh, and Carmelo Anthony were supposed to be the yep. Knicks. 
Yep. They, that conversation happened we, at the same time. You can't forget about the Celtics, KG and Ray Allen Ray. joining Paul Pierce. But that was due more to Danny Age pulling strings pulling and putting strings, them together, not the players putting them together. But at the same time, the GMs still have to make it happen. Regardless. True. Now, now, I, now, a little bit later on the show, I'm going to go into how LeBron has changed the NBA by a couple of moves he's made over the past decade, mm. which has led to why we talk about the NBA right now at the end of June and, and the season is over. But uh, I like I don't know if I can say Larry Bird's the second best NBA player of all nah. time. He's in my top ten for sure. Great winner, probably the best trash talker of all yeah, time. Hard playing, yeah. I mean him or KG, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta pick your poison, right? Yeah, but yo, we're gonna come back on this topic later on today as well, Brandon. I know I got to get you out of here. I know that you gotta uh, go take care of some things. I appreciate you yeah. coming in, man. Oh yeah, appreciate you guys having me, man. It was great to be on. We'll definitely have you on the rundown here uh, throughout the summer as well. You can you'll see Brandon's work on SportsCoinMonthly.com, also PhenomHoopsReport.com. My man is all over the triad. He's Everywhere. about as busy as I am. He's just putting in work, doing his thing. So definitely look for him uh, out here on your social medias and whatnot. Mr. Focused. But uh, coming up, I got Carolina Panther roster questions. Luckily, we got Charlotte Observer's Brendan Marks to answer them. A little Panther talk in late June. Next on The Drive. Oh, look who's back. This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Welcome back to The Drive. I am your guest host for today, your uh, master of ceremonies. I am Desmond Johnson. You might know me as the producer of The Drive with Josh Graham. Josh is on a much-needed vacation. He'll be back Monday. All the regular hijinks that you normally get from The Drive will be back in full action Monday. We've got a short week next week. We won't be on 4th of July or uh, that Friday, so we got a three-day week next week. But we'll be giving you all the fallout from the NBA free agency period from Sunday evening and more. Uh, but first, let's talk a little Carolina Panthers here. He is the beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, covering all things sports out of Charlotte. Please welcome Brendan Marks to the drive. Brendan, what's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. And, you know, I know Josh needs a vacation. I saw him a few days ago. He looks pretty well rested to me. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned to me that you guys had dinner in uh, Charlotte Wednesday night. And uh, my first question, the, the thing that everybody in the tribe wants to know, what did Josh eat for dinner when he met with you on Wednesday night down in Charlotte? We went and got some wings. Consider this a promotional plug for uh, Moosehead Bar and Grill, some of the best wings in Charlotte, in my honest opinion. Uh, I think it was Josh's first time, so he just sort of copied somebody else's order, but he didn't even finish his wings, so you guys can give him some shade for that later on. Oh, that's for shame. Okay. For shame. Yeah. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to get to it. We're going to get him for that. <laughs> but uh, let's, uh, let's get into Wait, actually, how many wings? That's important. <laughs> Yeah, how many wings did I he think, leave? I think he made it through. I think he's made it through eight of the ten, but he left two. Oh, ones just ten wings. That's yeah. the worst. Oh, That's the yeah. worst. But not, it doesn't surprise me that Josh had hot wings while uh, he was out because me and him are both hot wing connoisseurs. So that that sounds about right. But uh, my brother, he'll be back on a uh, Monday. Brendan, I want to talk to you because I came across a couple of your articles this week uh, in the Charlotte Observer, and you guys can go check him out at charlotteobserver.com. First, you put out an article earlier this week about the Carolina Panthers secondary, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but the over really the entire coaching span of Ron Rivera with the Panthers starting in 2011, the defensive secondaries almost seemed like an afterthought for many of the offseasons. This year feels a little bit different, so I wanted to talk about the secondary and their potential. Starting off, for folks that 
are, are not aware or are painfully aware, Carolina gave up 32 passing touchdowns last season. That was the fifth highest in the NFL. Eric Reed was signed to a three-year contract extension worth slightly more than $22 million. He's only 27 years old. The Panthers appear to have locked up a former Pro Bowl safety in the prime of his career. Give me some thoughts on what Eric Reed brings to the secondary on the field and the locker field, uh, the locker room off the field. Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest things about Eric Reed, and you saw this as soon as he got to Carolina last year, was all of the quote-unquote concerns about how he would fit off the field. Uh, we're, we're pretty much thrown away as soon as he got in the building. I mean, he is a high-character guy. He is beloved by his teammates. He's beloved by the media. He always makes time for us. Um, he has an incredibly technical and deep understanding of football, and I think that his teammates and certainly us in the media really respect him for that. As far as an on-field fit, though, you mentioned it. I mean, this is a former Pro Bowl safety, still in the prime of his career, and the Panthers are going to have him locked up for the next three seasons, which is a tremendous, tremendous addition to their secondary in terms of his talent but maybe even more so in terms of the stability he provides. So the team has their two cornerbacks, James Bradbury and Dante Jackson, uh, Dante obviously being a second-round pick last year. Those are the two guys that they want to keep around for the next couple of years. James's contract will be up after the season. He's eligible for an extension even before the season. Um, but if I were the Panthers, I would imagine they'll wait until after the fact and see if he's able to sort of bring his game to the next level. But those two guys are sort of entrenched at the two cornerback positions. What Eric starts to provide is filling out the rest of that starting secondary, and who they can get to be his running mate in the backfield and safety will be really interesting to see as we go into training camp. Beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, Brendan Marks, on the line with us here on The Drive. I'm glad you mentioned Bradbury and Jackson. James Bradbury and Dante Jackson both returns to starting cornerbacks for Ron Rivera. Bradbury is up for a new deal, as you mentioned, so he's in a contract year. Pro Football Focus didn't even rank Bradbury in their top 25 cornerbacks for the 2018 season. I went to go look at the average yearly salaries of quarterbacks I mean, of cornerbacks in the league. It looks like he'd probably be right around the five, six, seven million per year amount. That seems like the likely landing spot for him if they resign him. Would you, Brendan Marks, resign Bradbury to a long-term deal, or would you let him walk and draft another young quarterback to pair with Dante Jackson? No, I think you know. I think I can speak for the Panthers organization to some extent when they say, and Ron Rivera said as much on the last day of minicamp when he was asked about this. The team wants James Bradbury to stick around for a long time. They consider him one of their young foundational pieces on defense. And, and really one of the, the main reasons that James doesn't show up on any of those cornerback lists or sites or anything is because he doesn't have the interception totals. So he's a bigger cornerback, which makes him a great fit in the division because the Panthers have to obviously play against Julio Jones and the Falcons and Mike Evans down in Tampa and Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Those are three big physical wide receivers that he has to deal with, and he's well-equipped to do that because of his size. The problem is he's only has four career interceptions, and that's obviously an issue. So that's one of the things that I think he is working on more so this offseason maybe than in the past, but his coverage skills have come a long way. And while there were some bumpy, bumpy parts last year, um, I really think the team values having James around and the stability he provides. It would not at all surprise me to see them lock him up long-term after the season. I want to talk a little bit about Rashawn Golden. He's an interesting case to me. Ron Rivera seems to be really high on the potential of the young safety. He had some injury concerns last year. If Galton doesn't emerge, though, what are the Panthers' option at free safety and free agency? Because it seems like that's the only hole they have right now if Galton doesn't work out at free safety beside Eric Reed. Yeah, the team is going to give Rashawn every single chance to win that job. And they've said as much and they've done as much. I mean, he was getting the bulk of the first-team snaps during minicamp. I would expect that continuing to training camp. I mean, they want him to win this job. It's just a question of whether or not he's able to show them the level that they're looking for. Um, I think, you know, 
here's what I'll say. If Rashawn is not able to show the team and show Ron Rivera the level of play that they're looking for, I think they go and they look for a cheap option in free agency. Uh, one name that's been tossed out there is Trey Boston, former mm-hmm. UNC guy, former Panther. He has experience in Ron Rivera's system. He's well-liked in the locker room. Uh, if Rashawn is not totally there by the end of training camp, I think he's a guy that's worth keeping an eye on, seeing if the team might try and bring him in on the cheap. Charlotte Observer writer Brendan Marks on the drive with us talking a little Carolina Panther talk in late June. It's never a bad time to talk about the Carolina Panthers. Now, they did uh, release some guys, some vets this offseason. They released veteran nickel captain Munderland, as also as uh, safeties Denoris Searcy and Mike Adams. Um, it sets up a battle for the nickel corner position between Corn Elder and Ross Cockrell. Many people might remember around this time last year, Ross Cockrell ended up breaking his leg in the training camp uh, for the Panthers. Uh, but by all accounts, he seems like he's back and it's going to come down to those two. Who do you think, Brendan, will ultimately win that competition at nickel? Yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, if we saw sort of a, a committee role here. So I think that Ross has a lot of potential and obviously – he was playing terrifically last season before that terrible training camp injury. Broke, breaks two bones in the same leg, and you know, by all you know, by all accounts, that was one of the more heartbreaking moments for the team. And, and I know they were recently announced that they're going to be on the uh, Amazon documentary All or Nothing. I'll be really interested to see how that uh, that whole situation is covered there. Ross is still tremendously talented. I was lucky enough to speak to him a couple of weeks ago, and he basically told me that mentally he's all back. He understands the playbook. He, he knows where he needs to be. Now it's about getting those last little bits of movement left in his leg. So I think if he's able to do that, he probably has somewhat of an edge on, on Corn Elder. However, the team really likes Corn. He's young. He's versatile. He can play some inside, some outside. Um, so I think you might see somewhat of a, a committee approach to that. And also you have to factor in that the Panthers like to throw Shaq Thompson back there and the big nickel package a lot. They bring Colin Jones, one of their safeties, down in the big nickel. So there's a lot of options there. And, and one of the things, by playing a more versatile defense, they're going to be switching things up a lot that I think everybody's going to have opportunities to fill in that role. Now, a guy that has become a fan favorite amongst Panther faithful is fullback Alex Armand. This is a great story. He's a 2017 six-round pick from West Georgia. He basically started playing organized football a couple of years ago. Um, you reported in uh, another article that you wrote a little bit later on this week that was uh, very centric on Alex Amon, what he might be doing in this Panther offense, which on paper looks stacked right now. Uh, you mentioned that he was actually running passing routes uh, during the uh, the spring training camp there. What's, what's going on with Alex Armand? Yeah, Alex was getting some routes. It was pretty cool to see, actually, because, you know, he obviously, uh, for those who don't know, when Alex was at West Georgia, he played on both sides of the ball, played some tight end, a little defensive end, a little hybrid linebacker. So he was all over the place for them and, and excelled at all of those roles. Obviously, he sort of found his home at fullback with the Panthers. The biggest thing about Alex is how can he continue growing in this offense? And, and sort of the next role beyond protecting for Cam Newton and blocking for Christian McCaffrey is going out and catching passes. So it was cool to see him with some of the quarterbacks. And he's, you know, 20, 25 yards down the field on the sideline, working on his toe taps and everything. Hmm. Um, I'm really excited for Alex. He's a great guy, and and he deserves the opportunity to have a larger role in this offense, even though, like you said, they, on paper, at least look stacked. So at at 6'2", 255, Alex Armagh, just briefly explain Armagh's importance in Norv Turner's offense. We all know how much Norv Turner loves fullbacks. He's had him. In Dallas, he's had him in San Diego, and a lot of times those fullbacks become Pro Bowl players in North Turner's system. Explain why Armand is such an important cog to what they're going to be doing, and why Christian McCaffrey's probably uh, probably considers him one of his best friends. 
Yeah, I think Alex plays a really valuable role in this offense for a couple of reasons. One of them you sort of touched on is that he's he's so valuable in North Turner's offense because Norv has always really relied on having a competent fullback. And that's that means not having a fullback who's just going to pave ways in the rushing lanes and pass protect. But that's somebody who can occasionally go out and pick up a couple of yards on the ground. Alex had two rushing touchdowns last year. He had a touchdown in his first career carry against the Cowboys in week one, which was a really cool moment if anyone wants to go back and find that video. Uh, it, it was a really cool moment with him and Cam. So, you know, that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is that the Panthers' offense is so heavily predicated on misdirection that when you have guys pulling in different directions and sliding and, and moving from one side of the field to the other, what you need is someone who is quick enough but also strong enough to get out in front of Christian and lay blocks on some of those misdirections. The plays are going to be designed to take out some of the bigger bodies you need a secondary blocker who's able to get upfield and stay with Christian and provide him that security down the field. That's where Alex really comes in and becomes valuable. And as I noted in my, in my story, one of the highlights of his season last year wasn't actually a play he did, but it was where he set a block on a run play for Christian McCaffrey. And because of his block, Christian ran 71 yards untouched for a touchdown. Mm. That is the unsung value of Alex on this team. And I'd be really interested to see how he continues taking the next step and, and grows this season. Well, hey, Brendan, uh, you know, I appreciate you being on the drive with me today. Lots of great info. Definitely check out Brendan Mark's work at Char- uh, Carolina, uh, ugh, excuse me, charlotteobserver.com. And uh, I definitely want to get the chance to talk to you a little bit more, especially when uh, mini camps break out here late July. We'll see if we can have you on Saturday morning on the rundown. Give us a breakdown of what you're seeing out there, of everything uh, going on. But I hope you have a great weekend, brother. And we appreciate you being on the drive with us today. Absolutely, likewise. And make sure you guys kid Josh for me. I appreciate you. Oh, we got you covered. We got you covered. <laughs> so that's uh, Brendan Marks from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, check out his work at charlotteobserver.com. Coming up, why is the NBA dominating headlines after their season is over? And when did this become the norm? I'm going to break it down for the triad next on The Drive. What are we going to talk about? Talking about. This is the sports hub at am 600 am 920 now back to the drive with josh graham three three six seven 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 sixteen hundred is the number to dial if you want to chime in on any of the topics i'm addressing today I am your guest host, Desmond Johnson, normally the producer of The Drive with Josh Graham. Josh Graham is out on vacation. He will be back on Monday. I want to touch on uh, something we talked about a little bit earlier. Brandon Blakeney from PhenomHoopsReport.com was in the house with me. And uh, we had mentioned this at the beginning of the program. The NBA has become year-round. You know, it's June 28th. The top headlines aren't from Major League Baseball. It's not NASCAR. It's not golf. It's not even the Women's World Cup, which I'm actually worried. I'm scared to look into the uh, control booth because I'm afraid that they've scored another goal. I think they're still at 1-0 right now. It's the NBA. The season ended two weeks ago. In case you were living in a hole somewhere, the Toronto Raptors defeated the Golden State Warriors amidst a bunch of drama. But the NBA is still dominating sports headlines two weeks after their NBA finals concluded. Where is, quote, insert superstar name here going who is he teaming up with uh who who's going to shape the league going forward this conversation has been going on now not just for the past couple of months but really if you think about it it's been happening for almost a decade how did this happen how did the nba basically 
become this year-round league that dominates sports headlines more than any other. I'm going to break down for you, the triad, a treat today and explain to you why the NBA has emerged as the top league in the world when it comes to reaching out to their fans. Number one, social media. The NBA and its players understand social media more than any other sport, bar none. Players understand that they are brands unto themselves. They're wearing their brand on their jersey. They're one of the few sports where you can actually see them. They're not wearing something over their heads. They're not wearing something over their faces. You know what James Harden looks like. You know what that beard means. You know what LeBron James looks like. Players in today's generation, they learn this from two guys before them, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. Shaq, in particular, he came into the league as a brand. You know, I had his rookie card. I remember his rookie card with the Orlando Magic. I don't know where it is now. It's probably worth hundreds of dollars. But I remember having it. Rap CDs, shoe brands, movies. Shaq came in doing all that stuff. And I remember at the time, people were saying, oh, he's doing too much. He shouldn't be doing all this stuff. He should be focusing on his basketball career. I think it's pretty safe to say that Shaq ended up becoming maybe the, I don't know, top three NBA center of all time. Shaq understood at the time the importance of branding. Where did Shaq learn that from? Guy we spoke about just a couple of minutes ago, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. He's the blueprint. He's the template for this. We don't even need to recap how Jordan changed the game. His shoe brand is still the most popular shoe brand, and the man hasn't played professional basketball in close to 25 years. Number two, LeBron James changed the sports calendar by himself. Let's uh let's take a trip back to July 8th, 2010, almost nine years ago, in a boys and girls club in Connecticut in front of a national ESPN audience. LeBron James changed the direction of the entire NBA forever. He chose to go to Miami instead of staying in Cleveland, which on the surface doesn't sound like a very hard decision to make at all. I'm going to Miami if I could choose between Miami and Cleveland. But think about that for just a second. No one's really brought this up. If LeBron had done the decision exactly the way he did it and at the very end turned to the camera and said he was returning to Cleveland, does LeBron even have any rings at all? When he left Miami to go back to Cleveland, Cleveland was stocked with three of the past four number one draft picks in the NBA draft because he had left. When he went to Miami, he stopped, He played with Dwayne Wade, who was a top 10 player at the time, and Chris Bosh, who was scoring 25 points a game in Toronto. Does LeBron even have any rings if he just says he's returning to Cleveland? But that one instance changed everything in the NBA going forward, if you really think about it. That decision planted the NBA flag firmly into Major League Baseball's normal space, and they have never given it up. That was nine years ago. The decision changed how NBA builds teams. It changed how the league is reported. The league is now reported year-round. You don't really see... Major League Baseball stories in December. Hell, really, you don't see a lot of NFL stories in June. But you see NBA stories all year round. Doesn't matter what month it is. In fact, when this free agency period opens up and the top stars get signed, you know what the next big story is going to be? The free agents for next year for the NBA. And they're going to carry that from that point on all the way till next July. The NBA figured out a formula for building a buzz. Focus on the top free agents, 
speculate all year long during the actual season so that sometimes those conversations are bigger than the games they're actually promoting for that week. And then once the season is over, turn the buzz into a frenzy, build it up so large that you can't ignore it. And then once that date goes past and free agency opens, now you've made it where even secondary players are now big stars because the NBA has promoted themselves, their teams, the the league as something you can't miss. They've made it to the point where you can't just tune out for a couple of days, come back into it and know what's going on. If you tuned out over the past three days, you have no clue that all of a sudden the Lakers have $32 million in cap room where it looked like a week ago that they were the most incompetent office in the entire league. Now they're on the verge of putting together one of the most devastating big threes in NBA history. That happened in the course of two days. You can't tune it out. Top guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, they're taking two-year deals. They're betting on themselves. They take a player option after year one, so pretty much this process automatically repeats every single summer. So what do you do if you're Major League Baseball? How can you compete with a league where all the players understand their worth, understand their brands, and have individual channels to promote themselves all year? LeBron James has 50 million followers on Twitter. He's got 40 plus million on Instagram. He put out a post yesterday basically saying comeback season was in full effect. It drove news stations and outlets crazy. This was an Instagram post from LeBron James in late June. Name a Major League Baseball player that could do that in November and get the same kind of buzz. There isn't one. Mike Trout could walk past me in a Walmart and I'd have no idea who the dude was. And he's the best player in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball can't compete with this. They can't catch up to it. They used to own June and July. Last last Saturday on the rundown, we talked about the 1998 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and how people were stopping people in the streets to ask them updates on what happened last night. Did Mark McGuire hit a home run? Did Sammy Sosa catch him? What's going on? Like That was the last time, really, baseball had a buzz in June or July similar to what we see every single year with the NBA free agency period. The NBA season ends mid-June after a three-month playoff. They start the playoffs early April. It lasts until mid-June. So basically, it, 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 it absorbs opening day for Major League Baseball. NFL training camps start late July. That was the Major League Baseball pocket. June and July, that was the pocket where they got you hooked on Major League Baseball and you followed it into the dog days of summer. That hook is gone. That pocket's gone now. The NBA took it. They snatched it. They took the lunch money of Major League Baseball and they're not planning on giving it back anytime soon. Now Major League Baseball is an afterthought. Unless you're a diehard baseball fan, baseball isn't even on your radar today. Right now, Friday, June the 28th, 2019, unless you are a fan of the Angels or the Yankees or the Red Sox or so you grew up with them. You've got jerseys and hats and you know Mike Trout and you know Manny Machado and all these guys. Unless you're that, you're not thinking about baseball today. You're thinking about where Quad Leonard's going. Who can the Lakers add with LeBron and Anthony Davis? Please, Michael Jordan, don't lose Kimball Walker. Those are the kind of thoughts that you're thinking of right now. You're not thinking about 
the Atlanta Braves, even though the Braves are having a great season this year. The NBA is king right now, at least until the NFL decides to come back from vacation in July. 336-777-1600, number to call. Am I wrong about this? Or did I hit it spot on? Aaron Sawyer, show me some love. What's up? Do you think I'm right on this, or you think that I'm just totally, completely crazy? I don't think it's completely crazy. I think you may be giving the NBA too much credit. How so? Just because the NFL's they're literally taking a break right now. Well, that's what I'm saying. Until the NFL yeah, comes back yeah, from vacation. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of the like champs yeah. by default. You know what I mean? So, yeah, vacant champ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, um, who's that guy? There's another guy trained with uh, Ali and uh, Frazier back in the day. Jimmy Ellis. He won mm-hmm. the heavyweight championship while Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were just off doing whatever else. And that's why nobody talks about him. Right. Because, yeah. But, like, the NFL, the NFL has to take a break. But they they give it up at the hottest part of the year. And if the NFL didn't, like, if the NFL, say the NFL did something like, I don't know, move their free agency period to June, where you couldn't sign guys until June, like, right, which actually probably makes sense. You'd right watch before it. the, we would watch it. You'd watch it. We'd watch the combine. Yeah. We'd watch the draft that they moved it there. Basically, what can Major League Baseball do? against a league like the NBA where you've got megastars like LeBron James, James Harden. I mean, these guys have like multiple well, in the in the millions of followers and each guy is an individual brand. You put that on top of the NBA itself pushing this out there. How can Major League Baseball compete with that? They got to get over themselves and let uh let the players juice up. <laughs> I mean, I hear all the whole the purity thing. Like, who cares, man? Let them let them juice up. Let them smack those balls out of the park. Maybe maybe we're watching it. Hold 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 that thought. You are you are listening to the Sports Hub Triad. Ninety three point seven Greensboro, one hundred one point five Winston Salem, one hundred four point nine High Point, and one hundred four point five Burlington. These are the stations that make up Sports Hub Triad. I just want to let this be known. This is not the first time Aaron has br- brought up roiding all these baseball players. No, I feel no, like we even bring this, this up all the time. <laughs> even this week. I think earlier this week we brought this yeah, up. Yeah, I made no bones about it. Let them, <laughs> let them juice up. I mean, think about it. That was the only time. I'm I'm a casual baseball fan at best. Like, I can follow the game. If I catch a game at maybe start of the seventh inning and there's some good pitching going on, I can watch the rest of it. I can't sit through an entire nine innings of baseball. It's just it's not riveting enough. But when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Big Head Barry Bonds was out cranking home runs all over the place, yeah, I'm watching it. You know, I want to see it. You know what I mean? But he said Big Head Barry Bonds. Yeah, it's Big Head Barry Bonds. <laughs> see, it's different think, from Pirates Bonds. Bonds was on Bonds was on HGH. That's what makes your head. I don't get care. Bigger, you know? Whatever, That's give different. it to him. Like I don't care if they were doing like peppermint candies. Like give it to him. That was the last time it was exciting. Yeah. It really was. I mean, that's the last time. The last time I can remember the NBA not dominating this period was the year before LeBron became a free agent in Cleveland. Like that and, and remember those playoffs. They lost to the Celtics in like the Eastern Conference semifinals, I believe it was, before he left. No, I'm taking that back. I think it was Orlando. They lost to Orlando. Orlando went on and lost to the Lakers in the finals. And I still remember the image of LeBron walking off the court that last playoff game and and ripping that Cleveland jersey off in the tunnel as he was walking out. And I was like, that man's gone. I don't know where he's going, but that man is gone. He ain't coming back to Cleveland. And then they dragged that out because that was May when that happened, when they lost. And they scheduled his TV special. They scheduled the TV special after the season was over because it was July the 8th when that happened. So the season had already been over for, a, for what, a month? Um, yeah, about a month. 
Free agency had opened up a couple days before. LeBron claims he didn't even know where he was going until the morning of the decision. He made that decision that morning. <laughs> now, I got a question. You were going through this. Do you think in like the sports media, are you still thinking NFL has got like the bigger presence? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, the, yeah the NFL is king. Like it, it's, it's the, Undisputed. The, the, the elephant in the room. Like Even the NBA can't touch the, the sheer amount of what the NFL does. What I'm saying is the NFL isn't necessarily dependent on individual stars the way the NBA is. Like in the NFL, you follow teams in the NFL. It, the names change, people get cut, people get added. You don't you don't stop following if you're a Carolina Panther fan, you're not going to stop being a Panther fan when Cam Newton moves on. Like you didn't stop when Jake DeLome and Steve Smith moved on. You swallowed it and you still were a Panther fan. In the NBA, you're more of a fan of players is my opinion. Like you you like I'm a Steph Curry fan. I'm not necessarily a Warriors fan, but I'm a Steph Curry fan. The NFL gets a fair amount of star power. I mean, they do. You get guys like Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, and and more recently, even in a small market, which is interesting, is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like how you snuck uh, Pat in there. I, I mean, it's true. To. He's the MVP. It's, <laughs> and he's in a small market, but I mean, the dude's doing things you really hadn't seen before. Aaron, you know? Aaron Rodgers is in the smallest market in the entire NFL. And he's huge in Green Bay. He's, he's huge. probably the biggest star. You know, or at least one of the. He's one of the top two. But you're right. They, you're right. They do a. There's a team dynamic, and then um, there's also they get a little star power as well. I think the NFL team dynamic benefits greatly from NFL films when, and that whole yeah, history that they have. They've been able to point. document all of this stuff. That's a great point. If the NBA had video footage of say uh, Wilt's hundred point game, you know what I mean? It might be a different story. But nobody's ever seen it. So it's right. just rumor and hearsay. Now, well, it's not rumor and hearsay. It happened. It just we right. Don't, we don't. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we don't have like visual evidence of it other than holding up a hundred on a piece of paper and we just you know kind of to be true but that i mean that to me that's what it is the nba is king right now they'll be king through the weekend probably through the following week up until the fourth of july someone's going to sign somewhere that none of us was talking about two years ago it was kevin durant signing with the warriors nobody saw that i think this year's going to be Kawhi leonard he's going to sign with somebody that nobody is talking about maybe if he doesn't go back to toronto um but we'll see We'll see. We'll, we'll 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 see what happens here over the next couple of days. But my, my overall point is that Major League Baseball is in trouble because if you can't get people connected to it, casual fans, early in the year when it starts, then how are you supposed to get them in there in August and September once you really need them there in the playoffs? You know what I, you know what I think baseball should really do? And I know they'll never do this because it, it would be swallowing a huge pill. But, of course, I think they should shorten their season. They play way too many games. Um, but I think they shouldn't come anywhere close to August and September. Baseball? In October. Yeah, they shouldn't be playing baseball. In, their their biggest playoff month is October. Right. And NFL is in full swing. That's like Nobody week five. cares. Yeah, that's week five. Get NFL. it over with around <laughs> August. Preseason starts getting up. Get it over with so and get want, out of here. So you want to shorten the season? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I think they're playing. Get, wrap it up in August. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Because as soon as the NFL rolls around, I could care less. Oh, couldn't care less. Daniel from Mebbin, you're on the line. Uh, you wanted to talk about our topic about the NBA and how they've hijacked Major League Baseball's sweet spot. What's up, Daniel? You're on the drive. Yeah, uh, Dale, do, you, do you think that it's possible that the media have kind of inflicted football and baseball with all the talk about PEDs the last few years, the concussion talk? The media has not really done anything to bring down basketball, and, and so I, do, I agree with you. I see the rise that it's having right now. Um, 
I'm not sure, Daniel. Thanks for the call. Uh, I don't know if the media, the media is actually really, especially on the NFL side, they've really covered uh, the concussion issue fairly, pretty thorough. The PED issue, though, it's kind of funny in the NFL. It's almost like pro wrestling where it's like, oh, this guy got popped for taking PEDs. He's going he's gonna to miss four games or whatever. It's never really looked at as, as serious of an issue as it is in baseball when somebody gets popped and they got to miss 50 games or whatever. It's treated way more seriously in Major League Baseball. And in a weird kind of way, I think it's affected Major League Baseball uh, to Aaron's point where dudes can't get juiced up anymore. And because of that, numbers are down. Excitement is down. Home runs are – well, overall, home runs are up, actually, team-wise across the league, but individuals, you're not going to see somebody hit 73 home runs probably ever again unless they legalize steroids, which they they won't do. But that that that's the problem that Major League Baseball's got right now. There's I, I do want to get into this topic before I hit my next break here and get uh, quick opinions from everybody in the uh, studio here. Reports surfaced this week that Boston is the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to landing free agent Kimball Walker from Charlotte. Boston's rumored to offer four years, $141 million. Kimba does qualify for a Supermax from Charlotte, and Charlotte's the only team that can offer a fifth year, meaning they should be the leaders in the clubhouse. Which leads me to my question, who is the most beloved Charlotte Hornet of all time? 336-777-1600, let us know. I lean towards Larry Johnson for sentimental reasons. He only played for the Charlotte Hornets for five seasons, but he was the first Hornets national star. Larry Johnson was Zion Williamson before Zion Williamson. He was just 30 pounds lighter. He was 6'7", 245 pounds. He was taking the first overall pick out of UNLV in the 91 draft. He went on to compile the single greatest rookie campaign in Hornets history to this day. He came in second in the slam dunk contest. If you're, if you're, old, if you're old enough to remember NBA Inside Stuff Saturday mornings, it had the little opening montage with Larry doing the little the rock the baby cradle in the slam dunk contest at the beginning. That would always get me hype on Saturdays, and I'd go outside and try to do it on my little five-foot goal out in the backyard and couldn't do it right. Johnson averaged 19 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists, and one steal during his first season. That propelled him to the NBA Rookie of the Year award. The next year, Larry Johnson became the first of only two Charlotte players to ever start for the Eastern Conference at the NBA All-Star Game. The other would be Kimba Walker. He finished the 92-93 campaign at 22 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Made All-NBA second team. About this time, we started seeing the Grandma Ma personality. He had his own Converse sneakers. Larry Johnson was on the inaugural cover of Slam Magazine. He had his own shoe. He was pretty much a pop culture superstar in the early 90s. He was in Space Jam with Michael Jordan. He was in the movie Eddie. Remember Eddie? Whoopi Goldberg was coaching the Knicks. They shot that here in Winston-Salem. He was an Eddie. Uh, he had a critically acclaimed appearance on an episode of Family Matters. I don't think Kimball Walker's ever been a pop culture superstar. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Larry Johnson's the best player in Charlotte Hornets history. That is by far Kimball Walker. He's the leader in points and a lot of other things. But I do think that Larry Johnson may be in the conversation for most beloved player. And, and Hornets history because Larry Johnson is the guy that put the Hornets on the map nationally. He was the first star we had. I'm just not a prisoner of the moment. Kimba's led this team to the playoffs twice, 2016, 2014. Both times they lost in the first round. I love Kimba Walker. I feel like sometimes he's the only reason why I even watch the Hornets 
Not that many players in the NBA can walk around saying, quote, I've scored 60 points in the NBA game before. Kemba Walker is one of those guys. He's a top 15 player right now in the NBA. The Hornets literally owe the man over $200 million, and they should offer the Supermax to him out of genuine respect. But does that make him the most beloved Hornet of all time? Maybe. Maybe not. I'd even throw in Muggsy Bogues and Del Curry into that conversation. It's not the most skilled Hornet or the best player or the score or the best score. The question is, who is the most beloved? We'll take some more calls on that here. 336-777-1600 is the number to call. Let's get some of these callers here. Uh, I think it's Cayman from High Point. You're calling uh, regarding my point on how the NBA hijacked Major League Baseball's sweet spot here early summer. What's going on, Cayman? Yeah, I just wanted to say I agree with Aaron. I think it's the length of Major League Baseball season. When you get over 100 games, I I just don't care. I think each game means less to me than when you look at uh, the NBA or even college basketball, the NFL, where games matter early and they matter throughout the entire season versus uh, MLB where you could drop 10, 20 games to start with and still end up winning your division theoretically, where you just don't see that in any other sport. So I'm just not interested. Great points. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for listening to The Drive. I agree. I mean, Major League Baseball is, what, 162 games? It starts in April, runs until October. I mean, it, it it's too long. And then spring training is back in February. Yeah, pitchers and catchers it's report ridiculous. what February. Like, it, it, I just I don't know, man. It, you got to be in. You got to be deeply engulfed in the world of baseball to to check out a March game between the Cubs and the Phillies or whatever, and it's snowing at Wrigley. I mean, like it it, it takes a special kind of fan to be in it that long. And you can say the same thing about the NBA, but the thing with the NBA is you can drop in and out of the NBA. I can go two months without watching the NBA drop right back in in January after, or right at Christmas when a lot of people think it, the season really begins, catch up on every storyline that's going on. And in my peripheral, because of the media, they're telling me everything without me having to watch the games. So I can keep up and I can drop in whenever I want and not feel like I've missed something, nor do I feel like I've wasted time for months uh, in the dead periods for uh, the NBA. John from Greensboro on the line. He's got an idea for how to fix Major League Baseball. John, what's up, man? You're on the drive. Hey, what's up, Just Thanks for taking the call, man. Sure. Um, yeah, so I got some radical ideas. Are you ready for this? Number one. Hit me, brother. I will say, Major League Baseball is definitely in trouble. You allow PEDs, you add a three-point line, and you crisscross with hockey, and you allow fights. Wait, hold on. Three-point line would be you <laughs> What's get the jacked up, line? you hit a home run. You hit a three, you, if you hit a home run over 400 or 500 yards, bam, three points. Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I'm understanding you right. So you're saying if like you hit a home run that's beyond a certain distance, you would get three runs instead of one? Yes. Get them jack- let them get jacked up. Let them use PEDs. They'll get massive. You can hit home runs. If you hit it far enough, you get extra points. Maybe not three points. Maybe you get two. But, you know, you got to add excitement. I think you just go all out. Just let just let it go. Man, give my man the air horn. Give my man some hot take air horn here. That's yeah, <laughs> off the chain. Um, what was the third one again? You said so. You said the third one was allow fights. Allow let fights. Come in first person to hit the ground. You know, if you get hit with a pitch, you should get to punch a dude in the face. Well, they kind of do that now, don't they? I mean, they. I mean, if you get hit by a pitch, I, like they kind of. I mean, all yeah, bum they rush. do it now, but that, it's not really allowed. I think they should just let them go till somebody hits the ground. Just have like actual rules, like they like a cafeteria fight, like they just all kind of make a. Circle. Yeah, like in <laughs> hockey, you know, you can fight until the dude hits the ground and it's done. 
I like it. I love I, it. I like it. I, I don't love know, it. I don't know what else to say. I would watch so much baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, yo, man, we got to watch uh, Phillies Braves tomorrow, man. It might be a fight that breaks out. I, hey, <laughs> man, John, I think I'm going to have to just shut the whole show down from that point. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do after that. that thank you for the call, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man. He, he did say it was radical. I mean, he, he, did, say, he did not disappoint. None of those are bad ideas. <laughs> no, not one of them is a bad idea. I'm trying to figure out how this would even work with the whole. I like the idea of if you hit a home run pass Extra, like, like 400 like two feet, points, you get two runs instead of one. That would change like everything, like strategy. <laughs> change who you put on your team. You just have like nine dudes with like Popeye forearms just trying That's to knock fantastic. the ball as far as they could. Man. All right. And even now, like with the PED thing, they don't have to make an announcement. They can just, just silently stop testing people. <laughs> they don't have to say anything. Just I picture some like old man somewhere in the triad sitting on a park bench listening to the drive. Losing his mind. Losing his mind. Arms crossed. Like, I can't believe that they are talking about everybody juicing up in this game like it's nothing. But like, that's the just... very thing about baseball that's got them where they are because they got these unspoken uh Holy game rules, rules that they can't break. Rules. You know, man, get it, get Lines. out of here, man. 336 1600 is the number to call. Coming up, who is the second greatest player in NBA history? I'm going to bring in my producer extraordinaire, Sawyer Dillon, and Aaron, who has been chomping at the bit to get in this conversation ever since Brandon dropped that LeBron James nugget about an hour ago. We're going to talk about who's the second greatest NBA player ever next in the drive. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The The Sports Sports Hub, Hub. at AM 600, AM 920. Listen to previous episodes of The Drive and my show, The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. WSGS Sports Hub shows now available on all major podcast formats, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Just simply search the full name of the show, download and enjoy. Or if you want the latest episodes of The Drive with Josh Graham and The Rundown, just go to sportshubtriad.com, go to the SoundCloud file right there, right in front of your face, and download that to your phone, your tablet. Get that goodness, take it with you wherever you want to go, and enjoy Sports Hub Triad. All weekend long. Let's get an uh, update here on the World Cup. And it looks like we're still at 1-0 USA. The women uh, taking on France in the quarterfinals today. And uh, we haven't had another score yet since the opening, what, seven minutes of the show. Uh, the U.S. known to come out and slap people around the first 15 minutes they're out there. And they do it again today. one and nothing's the score right now. We'll keep you updated on that as uh, as it pertains to, to the rest of the uh, game. I'm hoping uh, Rapinoe scores some more goals because uh, Josh Graham on Twitter said if she keeps this up, he might have to dye his hair purple. So I'm cheering for Rapinoe right now. Get a hat trick. Do what you got to do. Because mm, I would like to see that. that trying to see that. <laughs> that would be interesting. And that sounds like something that Josh would do. So come on, Meg. Now is it, is it Rapino? Rapino? Because we were talking about this other day. How do you pronounce her last name? I think it's Rapino. I've been saying Rapino. No, I don't think it's Rapino. I said Rapino. That sounds, Ra- that sounds like a taco topping. Rapino sounds like. Uh, I think it's Rapino. I think it. Uh, I don't know. What we did you say the other day? You said Rapino? Rapino. You said Rapino? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Rapino. I was scolded for that. That, that, that wasn't supposed to be correct, but <laughs> it feels right. It feels good to me. So I'm just going to keep saying Megan Rapino until somebody tells me the correct way to do it. Um, 
I, I got to bring you guys in on this conversation. If you missed the first hour of the uh, the drive, you can catch it. 6 to 7 p.m., Brendan, I mean, excuse me, uh, Brandon Blakeney was in the house with me. And one of the conversations we were having about was who was the second greatest player in NBA history. And uh, Brandon picked LeBron James, which ain't a bad pick. No, he is the second greatest player of all time. But he he hit the issue Aaron was having was that Brandon was saying he wasn't sure that LeBron wasn't the best player of all time. Blasphemy. Yeah, and we we I was like I knew that I needed to get my folks in this conversation before I went away from it, and I'm gonna give Aaron a chance to retort to this. Not not the whole LeBron is on Michael's level because he's not. I'm not even gonna entertain that. That that's that's not even that's not even a thing. But. Who would you say is the second best player in NBA history? Is it LeBron? Yeah, or, I'm going yeah. LeBron. Going Le- LeBron. LeBron legitimately is the second greatest player to ever play basketball behind Michael Jordan. Can he ever catch Mike? No, it's oh, over. Good. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> All right, good talk. That's great. Let's go ahead and take a commercial <laughs> break. And uh, nah, I mean seriously, LeBron's three and six in the NBA Finals. And to be honest, it's weird because some of those teams he lost in the NBA Finals with had no business being there. You know, like the 07 Cavs. He had Booby Gibson and like Ilgauskas. Like he oh, dragged a corpse. He, he, <laughs> to you the took NBA the words finals. right out of my mouth. He dragged some carcasses to the NBA. Yeah. Now, LeBron James is a physical phenom, like the likes of which you never seen on the NBA basketball court. True. That's granted, I'm not going to take anything away from LeBron James in that regard. But you think when LeBron James retires, you think the NBA is going to change any rules? Nah. No, they're not. Nah. When Michael Jordan left the game, when Michael Jeffrey Jordan left the game, the NBA changed rules to try and get another player to Michael Jordan's level, a Kobe or a Vince Carter or whoever. They were scoring like in the 80s, you know, like back in the like the 90s or whatever. It was all defense. Like if you go back and watch like the Jordan rules or any stuff like that, I mean, they were doing like wrestling moves. That was some rough ball. They were doing pile drivers and all kinds of nonsense <laughs> to my man. And, and and what did Mike do? Did he get up? Did he go complain to the ref? Not, he would just get up, go to the final line, and shoot his free throws. And it got to the point where, A, they made Michael a better free throw shooter. They got him stronger because he started working out in the offseason because he, he got tired of getting beat up by the Pistons every year. And you're right. They changed the rules. They changed how you can guard in the NBA. So Zones, now, hand checks. Yeah, there was no zone in the 90s when Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls. There was no – I mean, you couldn't – you could hand check back then. Now you can't. Right. If you could – if if Michael Jordan played right now, my man would be averaging 45 points a game easy because you can't hand check him. You can't put a hand on my man. They wanted, to make it, they wanted to make it easier for everybody else to mm-hmm. do what Mike was doing. He's kind of like – imagine if Kawhi Leonard didn't have a switch where he's looking for others first. Imagine with Kawhi Leonard the way he is right now, because Kawhi Leonard's a master of the mid range jumper. Like he he'll he'll take a couple dribbles, pull up from twelve feet, shoot it, score, run back down the court. He got that from Michael Jordan. That like his game is patterned after Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, those dudes. And that's all mid range. It's all people keep telling me the three point shot's gonna it's it's changing the NBA. It it it's centers are irrelevant now and all this stuff. It's baloney. But basketball is like football. The, the, the basic elements never change. In football, run the ball, stop the run. That's never going to change. I don't care how many passing yards they pass for or how much wide receivers get paid. If you can stop the run and you can run the ball, you're going to probably be playing in January. You'll be in position to win at least. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have a sound team. Our Panthers are built that way. Run the ball, stop the run. They've been like that since Rivera's gotten here. In the NBA, it's like if you can just – yes, I understand that three is more than two. 
but not every team has Steph Curry on it. Like you can't play like the Golden State Warriors unless you have Golden State Warriors on your team. Like you can't do what they do unless you have Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, who are probably the two best shooters in NBA history on the same team doing that. And then you add Kevin Durant to it, and it's like, okay. But like a team like Houston, they tried to duplicate that and take it to another level. They were like, okay, we're just going to shoot threes and 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 shots in the paint. We're not going to do any kind of mid-range shots. We're content with James Harden shooting the ball 45 times a game. And it's, it's, it's terrible to watch. It is. One. It's horrible basketball. And then how many – What's the percentage on those three pointers? They sh- they're hitting around forty percent, right? No, the Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets were one of the top three point shooting teams in the league. But what did that get them in 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 May? They right. couldn't. They couldn't beat the Warriors. We call forty percent high for three point shooting, but forty percent is still not a high percentage shot. You got to take a lot of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, high volume of them. It just it's ugly basketball. It's just what it's what Kobe said. He said, "Hey, you can do that. That's cool and all. Like you have to do it. You're not you're not winning a championship playing Rockets basketball. I mean, it's." Mm-hmm. And I, it'll never be like that. And I don't know if they're ever going to change because if they're if they're just going to run it back because they think, oh, well, the Warriors are down and we were close to beating them before. No, you weren't. You lost 4-2 both times. Like, I mean, you no, they lost 4-3 year before. Nah, they the year before court. they had a, the year before they had a pretty good shot. When Chris Paul got when hurt? When Chris pulled his hamstring. But, I mean, that's butts and ifs. You know what I mean? Like, every, every team that Golden State beat in this whole run more often than not had a major injury on their squad and it allowed Golden State to advance. And that's why I'm not really upset that Golden State kept went out the same way. It's karma. Like I mean, yeah, I mean that's part of it. It's attrition. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, even Kawhi said it when he credited, you know, his load management in Toronto this year, you know, saying he wouldn't be on the court if it weren't for those games that he rested up. I picked Magic Johnson as the second greatest player in NBA history, and I picked him not just for what he did on the court. I picked him for, his, for what he did off the court, like – when Magic and Bird came into the league, the NBA was running the NBA Finals on tape delay, like at midnight on TV. Like it wasn't what it is now. Larry and Magic turned the league into a, a place where it became must-see TV, and then they passed that torch to Jordan, and it went global. And if you look at it, you can't really say, did LeBron make the game more global than what it is now? And I know I said earlier that LeBron helped with making the NBA a year-round type of phenomenon. But did he do the same type of thing for the game as a whole that Magic did as an ambassador to the game? No, but only because I don't think there's that opportunity still there to do that. Like, how how much are you really going to grow? You know what I mean? Even Stephon Marbury went to China. He's a superstar. So, yo, uh, do they still sell the uh, strawberries? You remember them? I, I think remember talk, uh, so me and Josh, I think, or maybe me and you talked about that. They're actually still selling them. They're coming out with new models and stuff. What? So. You get those Kmart? They still like ten dollars. Yeah, they're, they were they're, I think they're actually like 20 bucks. Mm. But yeah, they're pretty cheap. Shaq got a shoe in Walmart. Man, right? Shaq's got one of the ugliest logos for his shoes. <laughs> thing with him hanging oh, off the man, it's one of the worst logos I've ever seen. Isn't that the statue of him in front of Staples? Isn't it the same thing? Like the Duncan yeah, on like, the rim? I think so. Yeah, like yeah. All eagle spread or whatever. Man, it's, like, it's bad news. <laughs> man, I never had a um I've never had a pair of Jordans in my life. I've never had a pair of uh, Shaq Reebok pumps. I remember those were the thing back in the day. You wouldn't be alone in the Shaq thing, but uh, you never had a pair of Jordans. Never had a pair of Jordans. I mean, me coming. I mean, Jordans were like one hundred and forty dollars. Like we couldn't afford that. You True. Know, I mean, up. I'm in the same boat. But once I started making my own money, like bought I pair. bought a pair. Yeah. See, yeah. when I started making my own money, it's like I'm not gonna spend one hundred forty dollars on a pair of sneakers uh, that I, I can't wear anywhere. <laughs> I went for it once or twice. <laughs> Did they feel good? Did they feel like you wearing one hundred forty dollars on your feet? Not really. I actually still own that <laughs> pair of shoes. I think it was like uh. I bought the, you know how they do the uh, the crossover, 
like a, another popular athlete. I have a Jordan brand shoe. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. had the Derek Jeter's. Oh yeah, he had yeah. a Jordan, Jordan shoe. Yeah, 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 and I had the Chris Pauls. He had a Jordan shoe. Ah, uh, see, I think uh, I think Jordans are kind of overrated. Like for basketball, for basketball wise, like yeah. I've had. I mean, I've had Jordans ever since I grew up, like CP3s. Look at this guy. You know, I had, <laughs> you know, I had a lot of Chris Paul shoes because uh, we knew Chris Paul like, helped out my basketball team when I was little. Oh, so okay. we always had those. Weird flex. But, but I put on uh, <laughs> I put on the James Hardens like two years ago, and I've never looked back. I mean, they're just like my feet feel like I've always liked Jordans. I kind of just was like used to them, like maybe Nike shoes. And I mixed it up and went with Hardens, and I was like, all right, well, I'm not going back anymore. These low-top Harden shoes what? feel Hardens are what, Adidas? Yeah, he's Adidas, and they're oh. they're so good. I can't ball on low tops, man. Me either. I my never, ankles I, are man, just exposed. I, I've, I see people doing it nowadays. I'm like, yo, that is an ankle. Living dangerous. That's <laughs> an ankle ready to pop as soon as you do it. But if you're James Harden, you ain't got to really worry about that because all you're doing, like I said, dribble, 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 travel, travel, launch a three, run back the other way. No pretend, traffic. Pretend like Chris Paul's not staring at you for doing what you just did the past, like, 20 minutes of the uh, ball game. Oh, man. Well, I'm, okay. a, I'm a classic guy as far as shoes. I might go with the Air Force One. I might bring that back around here later on the show. We're going to figure out uh, what's the best shoe out there basketball-wise. Chuck Taylors. I've, I've never had – ooh, Chuck Taylors. You talk about ankles getting twisted and torn. I mean, you just got like a f- piece of fabric. I'm rocking a pair of Chucks <laughs> right <it>. now. <laughs> so, uh, look, coming up, what is the story behind Hornets' second-round pick Jalen McDaniels and where will Kimba Walker end up next? Charlotte Observer sports writer Scott Fowler joins the drive next. Let's begin. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Welcome back to the drive with Josh Graham. Desmond Johnson in today for Josh. He's on vacation, but he'll be back Monday 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Sports Hub Triad. The Charlotte Hornets had an interesting draft last week. Earlier this week, an article in the Charlotte Observer detailed the recent legal troubles of second-round Hornets draft pick Jalen McDaniels, a 6'10 forward from San Diego State. The writer of that article and friend of the program, Scott Fowler, now joins the drive. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you, Desmond? Doing pretty good. A lot of Hornet news uh, out there right now. But uh, I wanted to talk to you specifically about this article I had read from you from early in the week. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, go to charlotteobserver.com. Uh, go to their sports section. Uh, it's, it's still featured prominently there. Regarding uh, Jalen McDaniels, for those that don't know the backstory, Scott, could you kind of fill us in real briefly on what happened with McDaniels and his uh, quote-unquote legal trouble from a few years ago? Yes, well, Jalen McDaniels uh, is a 6'10 forward from San Diego State that the Hornets drafted number 52 overall. But before that, he was a standout high school player in Washington State outside of Tacoma. And while there, he secretly videotaped two female classmates uh, performing sexual acts. One of these involved... Uh, a consensual sexual act that he and this uh, young woman were having uh, themselves. Another was Jalen McDaniels allegedly hiding in a closet and videotaping uh, another teenager and a female classmate. Those videos, um, he does not deny making those. He, He has said in court documents through his attorney that he has deleted them, uh, and long ago deleted them, but nevertheless has been sued by both of these young women 
who say the videos and the fact that they were leaked to at least a few people, perhaps more, seen by other high school classmates had caused them all sorts of problems. Both young women had eventually attempted suicide. All this occurred about three and a half years ago. So my column in the Charlotte Observer basically said the Hornets never should have drafted Jalen McDaniels. I should mention this isn't a criminal trial. This is a civil, two civil lawsuits. He has not been charged criminally. But nevertheless, I thought it was a, a hornet's nest, if you will, that the hornets never really should have kicked over. Yeah, when I, when I read the article, my first thought was that this doesn't seem like a normal hornet's pick. Um, is there any indication from Hornets GM Mitch Kupchak on why they actually overlooked these issues or even a sense that the Hornets knew and picked him anyway? Uh, the latter of what you just said. They knew and picked him anyway, uh, and that's about all they have said about it. Uh, Mitch Kupchak was asked about it in a room full of reporters shortly after it happened. He said, yes, we've been aware of this for months, and other than that, it's a legal matter, and I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, both lawsuits are pending. However, my uh, thought and, and what I wrote in the column was, I think the Hornets owe their fans to explain a little bit of why they, as you say, overlooked it or decided this was worth the risk regardless. Because I, I really don't like the message that it sent uh, to, to the team's fans and a fan base that's already exasperated in some ways by the fact that they look like they may well lose uh, the best player in franchise history in just a few days. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that here in just a sec as well. Uh, we're on the line with Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer sports writer. And, um, Scott, uh, uh, you you know the, the inner, outer, you know, workings of the Charlotte Hornets franchise uh, pretty well. Do, do you get a sense that this was a Mitch Kupchak pick, or is this a type of decision that would have to get past uh, MJ to, in order for this to happen? And do you do you even think that it went that far? Or what's the sense? It almost feels like they picked him kind of knowing but hoping that it wouldn't become a big story and it's kind of turning into a story well all draft picks are uh, made by Cupjack. he has the ultimate authority on all personnel matters and michael jordan does uh allow him and and that was part of the deal when mitch Cupjack came here that he was going to not get vetoed at least not you know i mean certainly they're going to talk about everything but, no, I, I think MJ would undoubtedly have been aware of this because Kupchak is, is thorough, and, and he would have told Jordan about it, and they just decided to accept the risk. But I think certainly that if you're going to lay, if you, if you say this is the wrong kind of thing to do, the blame really lies more on Kupchak, not on Jordan, because Kupchak is the guy who's, who ultimately pulled the trigger on it. So since, uh, since this article went out earlier this week, Scott, what, what's the feeling in Charlotte from the fan base regarding the McDaniels pick? Have you gotten a vibe from the fan base in terms of where they are, in terms of uh, do they care, do they care too much? Is there a sense that they, they don't like this pick or they're willing to look past it? Have you, have you gotten anything back, feedback from off of the article since it came out earlier in the week to today? Well, mainly just from social media and emails, uh, which would be really the only contact I'd be having regularly right now in the offseason with Hornets fan base i'd say my uh it has generated a fair amount of emails uh and i would say it's probably been 70 percent or so people in favor of the column and and 
and against the Hornets, and maybe 30% people saying, oh, it's not, it's not a big deal. The Hornets absolutely should have picked a guy. I hope he could play. So it's been split, but I would say I've, I've heard more from people who were, who were angry, I suppose, about the pick. And then uh, in social media, you know, kind of the same thing, a mixed bag. I think it's kind of a controversial pick, obviously, because people fall on all, all sides of this. Uh, you know, I in the article, I tried to make the point, look, what if one of those uh, two young women was one of your daughters? You know, what would you what would you think at that point? And, you know, some to some people that hits home. To other people, they think, well, I was when I was 17, I did some really stupid stuff, and I'm glad that not everything I ever did was, you know, thrown in front of a court of law or in front of attorneys because a lot of it wouldn't look good. And so, and I get that part too, because it is true he was a minor at the time. So I'm not saying he shouldn't ever earn a living playing basketball because of this. I just wish it wasn't going to be with the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Observer writer Scott Fowler on the line with us talking all things Charlotte Hornets right now. And uh, one of the reasons why this article, uh, I was so attracted to it, because uh, I know the Greensboro Swarm, the G League affiliate for the Charlotte Hornets, is based here in our listening area, uh, really like 10 minutes down the way from where we currently are. And I know as a second-round pick, the odds of Jalen McDaniel being seen more in Greensboro next season than in Charlotte are very, very high. I assume we'll probably see more of McDaniels here in the triad than in Charlotte this season, correct? I think you're exactly right. I think uh, he will be, he seems like the ideal candidate for a G League spot. Uh, he's, if we talk just basketball about him for a second, he's 6'10", but he doesn't even weigh 200 pounds. So he's extremely slender. I think he played at about 195. So obviously we'll get pushed around by the big bodies of the NBA and the G League. So yes, I think he will be. Uh, you'll see him a fair amount, I would I would expect, with the Greensboro Swarm. And, and I think, the, if I'm not mistaken, as we're here on a Friday afternoon, I don't believe that he's had a, uh, a official press conference yet with the media. Um, the other draft picks for the Hornets have, except for McDaniels. So we'll wait and see when uh, Kupchak and others in the Hornet organization bring him available to the media. And uh, I'm sure... We'll get that sometime here soon. Quick thoughts, uh, Scott, on first-round pick P.J. Washington and where you see him fitting in on the Hornets roster. I know Kupchak mentioned that you know he may spend considerable time here in, in Greensboro also, which was kind of a weird quote for a first-round draft pick. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on P.J. Washington, and where do you see him uh, with the Hornets? Well, I thought it was a, a safe pick, uh, not a spectacular one, not a real gamble or anything. Uh, Washington played two years at Kentucky. The first year he was okay. He returned after putting his name in the draft and then pulling it out for a second year where he was better. Uh, if he does play down at Greensboro much, I think what they'll really want him to do is work on his three-point shot because that's where he's a little deficient. And every wing in the NBA needs to be able to shoot that well at this point uh, in, in the game. So I would think he'll he'll end up being here. I mean, I think that they're maybe going to part ways with uh, Frank Kaminsky, possibly, in which case, you know, Washington may end up with those minutes. But I certainly don't foresee this guy as a, as a starter by any stretch for for a year or two at least. Uh, Charlotte Observer writer Scott Fowler on the line with us here. Free agency starts Sunday in the NBA at 6 p.m., The Boston Celtics have emerged along with the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers as potential suitors for Hornet all-star guard Kemba Walker. 
Where are you, Scott, in terms of where you feel Kimba will ultimately sign? Do you think it's going to take the Hornets offering a Supermax? Because there's reports out that they did offer five years, $160 million. So it's a shade over $30 million per year. Uh, this coming after Kimba had made public comments that he'd be willing to sign for less than the Supermax if it meant helping the team out. Where are you today with the news that came out that Boston, uh, another Woj bomb, that uh, Boston has emerged as the front runner to sign Kemba on Sunday evening? Where, what's your take on this, and where, where do you think, as it stands right now, where Kemba might be heading? Well, I'm sure we'll have some more permutations on it in the next 48 hours or so because that's just this is the chaotic part of the NBA. But if I were betting, I would certainly bet he – will not return to the Hornets. And that'll, that'll be a shame. Uh, he's the be- If you're just counting years played in a Hornets or Bobcats uniform, Kim is the best player they've ever had. You know, better than Zoe, better than Larry Johnson. And I'm talking about only years in Charlotte, but he's the leading scorer. He just leads in so many different categories, three-time All-Star. But if I'm Kimba, I mean, how many millions does one man need? But he wants a ring, and that doesn't look anywhere close to happening here during the next three or four years. So, I mean, if I were laying odds, I think I think Boston probably would be the most logical choice, but uh, Lakers, Dallas would both be possibilities as well. You know, he's going to go somewhere and get a whole lot of money, but I think he's – I don't really think it's going to be in Charlotte. There's reports out right uh, from Thursday that the Lakers made some moves – brought the Wizards in on that deal with the Pelicans, and they're shipping out basically the remainder of what they had on the roster to clear up extra space. Anthony Davis is giving up his uh, his $4 million trade uh, kicker, so they're actually going to have about $32 million in cap space to go after a max free agent, and you know that kind of opens the door back again for Kimba to possibly end up in L.A. as well. So, you know, as a Hornets fan, growing up a Hornets fan, I don't want to lose Kimba, but if he gets an opportunity to go play for one of the two historic franchises in the NBA, the Lakers or the Celtics, I really can't be mad at that. So it's going to be an interesting weekend for sure to see what happens with Kemba and and what the Hornets try to do, I would assume, to try to keep him. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. But uh, real quick, and I'll let you get out of here, Scott, rapid fire, where do you think these three top stars are going to sign? I'm going to give you a name, and you tell me off the top of your head where you think today they're going to end up being. Let's start off with Kawhi Leonard. That's the one I actually think is going to end up in L.A. over Kemba. Ooh. I think that Kawhi is, uh, is is going to end up on the West Coast. Clippers or Lakers? Uh, Lakers. Ooh, okay, so I like this so far. <laughs> uh, all right. That's, my, that's just, I'm, I'm not very good at this, but that's my. <laughs> no, none, none of us are, so <laughs> it's okay, but we got you. We got, so Kawhi to the Lakers right now. Down. Okay, uh, Kevin Durant. That's a great one. I, I, I really don't know. Durant is just—he seems like such a, a an unusual character. I just—I don't have a very good feel for him. So yeah. who knows? I yeah. can't—I can't speculate on on KD. I guess isn't it odd that all these guys start with a K though? Right. Evan, Kawhi, <laughs> Clay Thompson, Clay, my, the Kemba, next <laughs> a special K. Yeah, uh, and the, Kemba. Yeah, if you're going to ask me about him, I would bet Boston. I think Kemba to Boston. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, I was going to have to guess the final K on that list: Kyrie Irving. Because it doesn't look like he's going back to Boston. That that bridge looks like it's totally burned. We've heard a number of different places. Uh, he might be the wild card in all this when it's all said and done. Where do you think Kyrie's going to go? Boy, another K. That's right. Yeah. And you know, again, I'm. I guess I'm. By the time it gets to Sunday night, I'll probably have a better sense of it. But 
I'm so Hornets focused right now. I haven't really played around with all the Kyrie options, other than the fact that him leaving Boston leaves the door wide open for for Kemba, who I think is actually at this point in his career a little better than Kyrie anyway. Uh, so yeah, I mean, once the first domino falls, whoever that might be, it looks like all this stuff's going to start falling into place immediately after. So uh, it's crazy how the NBA kind of dominates the headlines even after the it season is. is over. You know, it's nuts, but. Uh, Thank you so much. Scott Fowler, you can check out his work at charlotteobserver.com. Friends of the program, thank you so much for doing this, and we will definitely talk again soon, Scott. Sounds great. See you. All right. That was Charlotte Observer sports writer Scott Fowler, friend of the program, thanking him for doing that for us there. A lot of good nuggets there. Definitely go check out his work at charlotteobserver.com. Coming up, two of the most storied franchises in NBA history did some moves this week and may be back, and I'll explain why the NBA is better when these two franchises are relevant. You're listening to The Drive. This is The Sports Hub. Are you ready? At AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Dylan on the wheels of steel. Feeling it today. I like that. I like that a lot. You're listening to The Drive with Josh Graham. That is not me. I am Desmond Johnson. I'm guest hosting for you on this Friday. Bringing it home. It's been a fantastic week. We've been loaded with guest hosts. Uh, Josh is on vacation. He'll be back Monday, 3 to 6 p.m. live here at Sports Hub Triad. I want to get into this topic that... uh, regarding these two franchises in the NBA that need to be relevant in order to make the NBA even more relevant than what it is now. And that's the Lakers and the Celtics. The Boston Celtics have won 17 NBA championships. That's more than any other franchise. The LA Lakers have won 16 championships. Neither franchise has won a title since 2010. It's been nine years since the Lakers or the Celtics have even been in the NBA finals. The NBA is better when the Lakers and the Celtics are relevant. I know New York is pushed as needing to be relevant. The Knicks haven't won an NBA title since 1973. They haven't been to the NBA Finals since 1994, and that series versus the Houston Rockets is more known for O.J. Simpson making a run for it down an L.A. freeway and NBC deciding to cut to that coverage and put the NBA Finals game in a small box in the corner. If Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, or Larry Bird are playing in that 94 finals, does NBC make that decision? Do they put the NBA finals in a small box in the right-hand corner of the screen? Hell no. The Knicks are not relevant. They have a huge, desperate fan base, but the league doesn't shine based on the New York Knicks. It never has. Players don't yearn to be a Knick. The last big free agent to sign with the Knicks was Amari Stoudemire, and that was almost nine years ago. Carmelo Anthony forced a trade there and probably immediately regretted it. The past six years, the main topics in the NBA have been, A, what the hell are the Lakers doing? And B, how are the Celtics and Danny Ainge rebuilding with all this young talent? Let's start with the Lakers. The Lakers in particular have dominated the headlines all while they've been drafting in the lottery for the past six years. They've had multiple top five picks. Let's go through the names. Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, 
Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle. Yet they kept leading the headlines. Why? Because they're the Lakers. That's why. The talks of Laker demise were greatly exaggerated. Mickey Mouse could be running the Lakers, and they would still be a destination for a player. They have the history. They have the legacy. They have the players. What NBA player, past, present, or future, would not want to be a chapter in that book? Magic, Kareem, Worthy, West, Wilt, Baylor, Shaq, Kobe. That's the pitch Magic probably gave to LeBron James, just like that. Think about it. They hadn't been out of the lottery in six seasons. I can't express that enough. The Lakers were in the lottery for six straight years. It's the longest streak they've had in their franchise's history. Yet one conversation with Magic Johnson convinced the best player on the planet to leave home again and come to the Lakers to play with those lottery picks. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Meanwhile, the Celtics haven't won a title since 2008. And most of their titles came during the 60s. They won nine out of 10 seasons. That jersey, the green and white, that floor, the parquet floor, it still means something. It's similar to the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Raiders in the NFL. Doesn't matter how much the Raiders suck today, they're still a premier franchise in the NFL and will be. Just win, baby. The Cowboys went through a decade of just being god awful, still one of the top selling jerseys and franchises in the NFL. The 49ers are going through it right now. The 49ers haven't been good since Jeff Garcia. And they're, and they're getting through it. Bird, Parrish, McHale, the best player in the NBA Finals is given the Bill Russell Award. Kuzi, Havlicek, Pierce, Garnett, Allen. Even with tales of racial strife in Boston, it's still a destination. A rabid fan base, Boston is used to winning. The New England Patriots, the Boston Red Sox, the Boston Celtics. If you like winning, Boston's a spot you're going to look at. If you're a Lakers fan, you hate all things Boston. If you're a Lakers fan, you hate the Patriots. If you're a Lakers fan, you hate the Red Sox. Even if you don't watch those sports, you just hate those teams. If you're a Celtics fan, you hate the Lakers. Lakers versus Celtics to me is the second best rivalry in all of sports. The only thing that's ahead of it is Carolina Duke in college basketball to me. If both teams are relevant and good, the NBA has a historical, glamorous rivalry built into the fabric of the league itself. It's been there for 50-plus years and counting. It's dormant right now, but it always comes back. I got a prediction. In the next three or four years, the Lakers and the Celtics will meet in the NBA Finals again. Danny Ainge will land a top free agent next week to put with his young guns, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The Lakers will build a new big three with LeBron, AD, and a max guy. The NBA wants this to happen. Lakers versus Celtics drives conversations. Rivalries always do. No one wants to see the Bucks versus the Rockets in the finals next year, even though both teams are led by league MVPs and Giannis and James Harden. Diehards will watch that. Casual fans will tune in to see the Lakers versus the Celtics and learn the players' names after the fact. This is why I laugh when I hear such and such is thinking about going to the Clippers. The Clippers will never eclipse the shadow of the Lakers in L.A. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. The Clippers can win 10 NBA championships with Kawhi Leonard on the team. They will never be as big as the Los Angeles Lakers. The NBA thrives when the Lakers and the Celtics are relevant. They are the only two teams in the league 
that can say that. 336-777-1600 is the number to call if you want to chime in on anything we've talked about today. Sorry, let's go ahead and do that, uh, that five things at five. It's time for the five things at five. All right, people, take five. Here are the top five stories trending now. Five things at five. We do this every day at 5 p.m. Sorry, go ahead and hit me my number five. Five. The Houston Astros lead all teams with three starters for this year's All-Star game. After all the votes were tallied Thursday, Major League Baseball's new starter election. Starters election, excuse me. Houston's Alex Bregman, the runaway winner at third base for the American League, will be joined in the starting lineup by Astros teammates. George Springer, sorry, I had to flip a page there. George Springer and Michael Brantley, the later of whom edged the New York Yankees' Aaron Judge by less than one percentage point for the final AL outfield spot. Springer and Brantley will share the outfield with Angels star Mike Trout, who led all candidates with 993,857 votes in the final stage for the game at Cleveland's Progressive Field on July the 9th. Four. You know what, Sawyer? I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this right now. Turn the music down. Turn the music off. I've been thinking about this this whole episode, and I decided, you know what? Aaron, do me a favor. Go outside. It's 5 o'clock. Check and make sure all the doors are locked so nobody can get in and out of this studio. We're going to do a little something that uh, I wasn't going to do, probably shouldn't do, but we're going to do it anyway. So you hear my theme music. Yeah. You're in the middle of a rundown takeover for the last hour of the show. I got my peoples in here. My my uh, my, my rundown wolf pack of sorts. WXI Sports. Chris Lee is in the building. What's happening? Netcastsports.com. Marcus Shockley's in the building. What's good, everybody? And uh, I don't know what else I got to say. We're going to do it like this for the next hour. Too Rundown sweet. format. Too sweet. Yeah, too sweet me, bro. Thank you. So uh, we're going to get it, we're going to get it going like this for the next hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Rundown takeover. The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, right here on Sports Hub Triad. And we're going to kick it off with this NBA free agency now that I got my folks in here. We're going to talk about this and figure this out because there's a lot of lunacy going on right now, and I have no idea where anybody's going. So let, let's just kick it off with that, fellas. Gentlemen, first of all, thank you for being here with me today. No I uh, thank the congregation for being in here. And let's just start off with Kimball Walker, man. Like the, over the past, like, I don't know, 24 hours, maybe the narrative has shifted <laughs> totally on Kimball Walker from how can there's no way Charlotte could mess this up to. Is Charlotte about to mess this up? Because it, Charlotte, it, it Charlotte looks like they're about to. It up. Yeah. Charlotte has, <laughs> has blown it. What? So let's. So for those that don't know, Kimball Walker qualified for a Supermax. Five years, $221 million. Um, he, he made the mistake of saying he would take less money, and that might be what's driving uh, the Hornets right now. Actually, before you know what, guys? Before we do this, I need to get a soccer update from my boys in the, uh, in the booth who are also members of the Rundown crew. Sawyer Dillon, Aaron Gabriel. What's up with uh, the Women's World Cup? All right, well, the women's national team beat France in final time, um, two to one. Megan Rapino, it's Rapino. So Aaron actually did get it right. Is Rapino? Rapino. We, we got that figured out. Okay. Uh, she scored the second goal. One one minute in the fifth. Uh, one in the fifth. One in the sixty fifth. 
the women's team actually now ties Norway. Uh, the 95, I think, Norway team for the m highest winning streak of all time in the World Cup. They're at 10 games so far unbeaten. So one more game and they'll, I guess, be kind of like w one of the greatest teams ever played in the World Cup. Uh, ESPN is tripping because they've got 2-0 as the final, but I then saw that. scroll down and, and it says 2-1. Yeah, it's really weird. I saw that too, but I just went with my gut. It said 2-1. I figured they didn't take it away. So <laughs> you we're said I go. went with my gut. <laughs> we're going to go that it was 2-1. Maybe they had, a, had to disregard the goal for some reason, but not that I know of. The women move on. Do we know who they're playing next? Uh, or where? I'm or not who? sure. Should be playing England, England. next. England. England. Okay. In the semifinals? Yep. All right. So this just it's going to get tougher and tougher, but we're behind yep. them. Um, all right. Back to the NBA free agency. Kimball Walker. Is, have we seen the last of Kimball Walker in a Hornets uniform? Because it's starting to feel like Yes, it. we have. Yeah. The the part that makes me mad about this, like, of course, as a Hornets fan, you, you want uh, Kimba to be around. But – if they knew they weren't going to extend him to the super max or just the regular max or give him a bunch of money, you know, anyway, then why not get something for him when people wanted him and they were trying to make a put playoff push? Why not take a, a page out of Danny Ainge's book and get rid of him, get rid of uh, Jeremy Lamb, get some picks, yeah. you know, get some get some assets. You know, if, if you knew you're not going to do this. Uh, Mitch Kupchak, you know, Michael Jordan. <laughs> if you knew that you weren't going to offer him the money, at least get something for him. Now, I think Hornets fans would rather have him, but if you're going to let him walk away and then we have nothing in return, it just feels bad. Yeah, it, it feels like, it, you know, we don't have inside information, but it feels like Kemba was all committed. Like, he was like, I'm here with the Hornets. The Hornets love me. We, the fan base, we love Kemba. And then he got the offer, and it was like, they don't love me as much as I love them. Yeah. I'm going to Boston. Five years, $160 million is what I believe the Hornets have offered. Now, they still got time to up that offer, but you got to kind of wonder, is Kemba uh, taking that personally, that that's the first offer they came with? Because to me, it's like, Kemba, you kind of made this problem yourself by coming out and saying, oh, I'd be willing to take less. If he hadn't said that at all, and then the Hornets offered him this, yeah. then it's like, oh, okay, the Hornets are just lowballing him for no reason. There's no reason for them to offer that amount. Now I can look at it like, well, he said he'd take less, so why would they offer him the max in the very beginning other than just the principle of it? I'm not trying to compare him to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady takes less, of course, to help build teams. But, Tim Duncan the, did the, but same. the NFL, there's not as much flexibility as there is in NBA. But if he's telling you, if you give me the super match, which, which I qualify for, I will stay, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Because Kimba can be the guy, like, if you, first off, why does Bismack Biombo have a twenty million dollar player option? Oh my god! Why does Why does Marvin Williams have a twenty one million dollar player good. option? But Nick right? Batum is out here making twenty five million. If you, like, see, if you get I rid almost of those, made it through the show without mentioning Nick Batum's name, and I'm just like, you Nick get rid Batum. of those three. That's like sixty five million right there, just between those three players that we don't. So Kemba is good enough to where other people want to come. Why don't people want to come play for Michael Jordan? Mm -hmm. Why can't somebody like Jimmy Butler try to come to make to elevate yeah. the team? Yep. And it's just a it's just a flub on on the Hornets part. I feel I feel like Jordan's never really used that power that he had in terms of I mean again like we mentioned his shoe is still the most popular basketball shoe in the world. He hadn't played basketball in twenty five years. He's still the dominant presence in the world of basketball. Yet it doesn't feel like he really uses that to his advantage in terms of bringing free agents to Charlotte. I mean, you would think if there's anybody in the league they'd be willing to go over the cap to build a contending team, it would be Michael Jordan. I mean, the man, we all know he gambles. We all know he loves doing that kind of stuff. And it feels like he won't 
spend the money to get the Hornets out of the hole they're in. And it starts with Kimba, and now he's you might might end up losing one of the best Hornets of all time. Yeah, I think one of the problems um, with MJ as as the owner, and like I said, we've talked about this before on here. You know, I love the Hornets. I, I, MJ's my favorite all time player. He's a horrible owner. I mean, he's proven it. You've like been they, on point with that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you look at what the Hornets have drafted over the years, uh, it's almost a joke that no matter who they draft, no matter how well uh, versed we are in, in this prospect or every year, they're going to blow it. Whoever they draft is not going to develop. It's almost as though they got lucky with Kemba. Like he came in, he developed on his own, but mm-hmm. the Hornets have shown no ability to recruit free agents, sign free agents, develop talent, draft, or, you know, develop the talent that they've drafted. They've got guys on this roster that look great as young prospects, and there's no, no belief that they're going to be developed into players that can help the Hornets. So they basically, Kemba's like, okay, if you guys aren't going to do anything with me and you're not going to show me love. <laughs> In my paycheck, you know, if I was his agent, I'd be saying, you need to go to Boston. You're going to win a title there. Part of Jordan's problem is this. I think he's still the that person who grew up in that era, came up in the era of, you know, we don't fraternize with other players because that's my competition. I want to yep. go against him. Yep. You put LeBron in this spot. If LeBron is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets or the Cleveland Cavaliers one day, LeBron came is in the era where – we're we're cool with each other. I'm gonna go out and recruit. I'm gonna go try to talk to you. Hey, come come on my yacht, talk to me for a little bit in the off season. Let's see what we can do. And I think Jordan is still holding on to that, like, no, nah, we're not gonna fraternize with people. You need to adjust to the time. And he's not adjusting to the time. Three three six seven 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 sixteen hundred is the number to call if you want to chime in on anything that we're talking about here regarding NBA free agency. Let me move on real quick before we hit the break on a couple of these other guys coming up. The the it sounds like the biggest domino that will actually be playing next year is Kawhi Leonard. And it came out today that all of a sudden, based off of what they did yesterday, the Los Angeles Lakers are now in the running to get Kawhi Leonard. Can can a big three of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard even work? I'm going to hurt your feelings, uh, Desmond, but <laughs> there is no I'm amount, uh, there is no amount of talent that dysfunction can't destroy on the roster. The Knicks have proven that. And Ooh. until the Lakers can That's- prove – that they can that they can accomplish something without Bus without Jerry Bus, um, I'm not going to believe it. I mean, there's just, you don't believe that they'll get a well, third. They or? just never. No, they can get a third. They could get a fourth. I mean, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying in my don't give Rob Blake any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Until they prove that they can actually do something with the talent that they've signed, they're just another team that is putting together a bunch of things that look good on paper, and they're not the Lakers of old. I I do know that you've maintained that they, they will always be the big brother in L.A. to yep. the Clippers. I believe that's also true. I think they've got a fan base that supports them regardless. The Clippers won a title. I think the Lakers would still get a get a better fan base or have a bigger fan base. They almost need to move and change their name. Who's the Clippers? Yeah, before, <laughs> like, you know, like, they seriously. They move anywhere, yeah. They go, just move to, I don't know, move to. They just need to just start calling themselves the Inglewood Clippers <laughs> and have a brand name that <laughs> would go. work. Move to Seattle. Anaheim Sonics. Clippers of Los Angeles or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Here's the thing, though, that. The one thing that uh, Jalen Rose mentioned this morning on Get Up that I didn't really think about the connection that might lead Kawhi there. Kawhi Leonard's college coach was Steve Fisher, who coached him at San Diego State. Before that, Steve Fisher was the coach at Michigan, where he coached Rob Palenka, who was on those Fab Five teams. And Rob Palenka is now the Lakers GM. So there are all these connections here. Same thing with, like, you could say it with Kawhi, uh, Kyrie Irvin. Kyrie Irvin looks up to Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's agent is Rob Palenka. Like, there's he Rob Palenka. I think got the most. What's the word I'm looking for here? 
they threw so much dirt on Rob Palenka the past three or four weeks after the Magic Johnson thing Who's happened. Day, day is one day, guy. The, one guy. The, the media, like everyone's like, oh, Rob Palenka, no one likes him. GMs hate him. They don't want to deal with him and all this other stuff. I, I think you have to give him some applause for what's happened. Even screwing up the whole AD deal where they messed up the dates and didn't have enough room or whatever, they figured out a way to get out of that. What, what they announced today, though, I'll ask you this. Um, they announced today that they were pursuing either who Kyrie or Kemba. Uh, Kemba uh, it's, well, I thought it was Kawhi. Oh, yeah, Kawhi. I'm sorry. Kawhi, Kawhi or, or Kyrie. Or all these Kyrie. All these okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, why? Why, does, why do the Lakers feel like it's important for them to advertise who they're pursuing? Like, why would they not just – I mean – that, that that doesn't get you anything. Like yeah. They're looking for a splash hire. They're looking for a splash news, and I'm like, you don't you don't have to advertise who you're going after. You just go after them. They're, why is that important? So okay, so here's my question then for the both of you: between those two K's, Kawhi Leonard or Kyrie Ir- or Kyrie Irving, now the Lakers have 32 million dollars in max space. Which one would would be your top priority? Like, because you got It's not just about getting the best of the two. You got to figure out which one of those guys will work the best with, with Anthony Davis and LeBron? Would you rather have Kyrie Irvin in a reunion with LeBron in L.A.? Neither. Or would you rather have Kawhi? Neither. 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 Yeah, I agree. Um, go after D'Angelo Russell. Ooh, because, so you bring D'Angelo Russell back to L.A.? Yeah. The, the reason why I say that is because I think, speaking of taking less, I think D'Angelo Russell would take less so you can still have a little bit more money to round out your roster. I'm just so worried about teams that are so top-heavy, and then you have to fill out your roster with, like, 11 scrubs. And then if you have one or two injuries, then your your season is messed up. Look at the Warriors. Mm. You know, the, the the Warriors bench this year was not the way it was in, in their Four other years ago. Yeah. Yeah. They, their other, they, they were top uh, championship runs. Yeah, and so, were. like, you get two injuries, and it just throws everything off. Now, so here's my – And Anthony Davis is injury prone. <laughs> so yeah. And LeBron, LeBron got less than a quarter of the year. <laughs> yeah, so that that is a uh, definite thing. I – I've been on the whole Kyrie is coming to L.A. tip for like three months. Like I feel like I say it every Saturday morning. Kyrie Irving's going to be an L.A. Laker. Even when it didn't, I couldn't figure out how they could even make it happen because they didn't have the money. Now they have the money, and I'm trying to back off of it because <laughs> I'm like, I don't yeah, know I, I if they're going to bring him in or not. Thing. I don't think either – I agree with Chris. I don't think either one of those is a good move. Hmm. I don't think Kawhi's personality will work well out there with those guys. I don't, And the Kyrie is just a team destroyer in the locker room. And when you add it in, like as soon as LeBron's out, for an extended period of time like this year, if he's out, he is getting older. I mean, six months from now, right now everybody's saying, okay, the Lakers are going to win the title. Six months from now, if, as soon as uh, Kyrie walks in the locker room and there's no LeBron and he says, hey, this is my team and I'm going to get mine, mm-hmm. you're going to have – and this is just speculation on my part, but you literally could have Davis sitting there thinking, okay, LeBron's not here. Uh, Kyrie's told me it's all him and he's going for his and he doesn't care about us. And Are you so describing I'm, the like destruction of the Lakers before they even I'm get I'm telling you, I am, I am <laughs> mark it down. <laughs> now, I don't necessarily mind uh, well, Kyrie there because I, I think that if anybody can keep him in line, LeBron can. Yeah. but He's the one guy that, yeah. he, that looks – he'll look up to LeBron. But if I'm the Lakers, though, like I already have LeBron – already have Anthony Davis. I'm going to have to pay Anthony Davis next year. A lot. A lot of money. So why don't I just go ahead and try to round out the roster yeah. right now yeah. instead of it being so top-heavy? I don't necessarily mind Kyrie, but I feel like you can get all kinds of value in place of him that you don't, nece- you don't, ne- you don't need him. Uh, 336-777-1600 is the number to call if you want to chime in on this. Coming up, we always talk about who the best NBA player of all time is, but we all know deep down who it is. It's Michael Jordan. We witnessed it. We recorded it. We worshipped it. We wear his shoes to this day. But I want to have a conversation no one ever really has. 
Who is the second best player in NBA history? Go ahead and load up our phone line. Sawyer's taking those calls, 336-777-1600. Me and my rundown Wolfpack will give our picks here next on The Drive. Listen up, everybody. There has been a lot of talk. talk. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Three three six seven 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 sixteen hundred is the number to dial if you want to chime in. You are in the middle of a rundown takeover. This is the drive with Josh Graham. I am your guest host Desmond Johnson. You can actually catch the rundown in our regular time, ten a.m. to twelve noon, live here on Sports Hub Triad tomorrow and every single Saturday. Um, we've got Brent Wilkerson new calling in tomorrow to talk about ACC Big Four college basketball roster change. Uh, we got Randy Pettit in here from Bowman Gray. Uh, he's their track announcer. He's going to be on the panel tomorrow. Uh, IMG's Ryan Stone will be here tomorrow. Uh, Sports Carolina Monthly's Haskell Shelton will be here. Sawyer and Aaron will be here doing their thing. So I might as well just pull a cot out and just stay here overnight because i got to be right back here in the morning and do the same thing all over again. But uh, no worries, no worries, no worries. Um, let me we're, – we're about to talk about our second – the second best NBA players of all time. And I want to get to my panel before I get – I've got a caller on the line here. But um, I picked earlier in the show Magic Johnson – just for not just for what he did on the court, but for what he stood for off the court too. In terms of he he basically elevated the NBA along with Mag- uh, Larry Bird. Can't really say one without the other. But my man was in like nine of the ten finals in the nineteen eighties. He was five and four. Uh, I mean, he he just he he has the second highest win percentage of any NBA player in history, a seven forty win percentage. The only person that's higher than him is Kawhi Leonard at seven fifty four. Uh, Larry Bird is third. He was a winner, 19.5 points per game, seven rebounds, 11 assists per game for his career. Uh, he, he was a do-it-all 6'8 point guard that just – back then you you didn't have 6'8 point guards. I mean, you couldn't really deal with him. And he really got put on the map, not the college basketball game, the championship between him and Larry Bird, but that first NBA Finals game was game six. Kareem was hurt. Magic starts at center. Drops a triple-double, 46 points and some change, and uh, double assists, double rebounds. And that was really when he kind of cemented himself as like a great – and that was his rookie season. So for me, the second greatest NBA player of all time, not the second best, just the second greatest in terms of who do you think of when you think of the NBA and and what it represents. For me, it's Magic Johnson. I'm going to turn to the panel to get your opinions on who, who's the second greatest NBA player of all time behind his airness. Haven't had time to really look up stats just to, to back up my point. Go what you got. But um, I want to say there's a 2A and a 2B, and I would have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James. Um, LeBron clearly is, like you were describing with Magic, he's something that we hadn't seen before in the NBA before he was there. However, um, there's enough that we've seen about him that we can tell like he's great, if there were no Michael Jordan, maybe he's number one, but he's not number one uh, because there is a Michael Jordan. And then I never was blessed enough to see Kareem because I'm, I'm young, but I'm not that young. I'm 33. But, yeah. you know, I just I, <laughs> I, didn't, like, see, I didn't see Kareem play. Um, but um, it's just everything that you hear. He had the unstoppable move. He was basically the guy that was dominating the NBA 
uh, at a certain amount of time. And, and even still, even with how dominant Shaq is, if you look at how amazing Shaq was, Shaq doesn't even make the, uh, the Mount Rushmore of Lakers players hmm. because Kareem is there in his way. So yeah. you, you have to kind of uh, put Kareem there to me. Yeah, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to have to go with Kareem as well. Uh, mm. Like Chris, I haven't had a chance to really uh, look up any uh, exhaustive statistics, but I will give you one statistic because I think Kareem is the only guy that actually had a rule change for him when they tried to take out the dunk uh, out of the game of basketball typically because Kareem was so dominant. Oh, like and, when he's uh, high school and yeah, and at the, right? yeah. At, at the end of his career, he was playing on a loaded Lakers team, but he was as much of a factor, even with limited mobility, as much of a factor in those Lakers championships, uh, was it the three-peat? Uh, um, uh, no, they, they didn't three-peat. They uh, won back-to-back. Back-to-back. 88, and, 89, and yeah. He was at the end of his career, and he was still a major offensive weapon mm-hmm. with, with limited mobility. I mean, when he was young, he was quick. He was like a forward play at seven at seven feet tall. 7'2", seven, two, 225. Seven, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, he was unstoppable. And even at the end of his career, even, you know, whereas most centers have broken down and, and they're no longer able to play and they're – Basically, and they're just clogging up the lane. Kareem was still a major weapon for Magic Johnson. Um, that you know, they were he was almost impossible for the rest of the league to stop. Um, I agree. You know, LeBron is is right up there with with Kareem. Um, it's, I think Kareem actually gets a he always gets pushed to the side because he played in an era with um, you know he was a little older than than uh, Jordan. Yeah, and he was older you know than uh, than Magic. Uh, but he was a dominant player. It's hard to it's hard to explain to people today. It, it's sort of like somebody coming in and, and being so unstoppable that they literally try to change the rules. It's like coming in and telling LeBron, "Hey, LeBron, you can only play the first quarter. Yeah, you know, you're just too dominant. You can only use your right hand. Yeah, you can only use your right hand. You can't. <laughs> no, I mean for me, I'm 41, so I I grew up, and I've mentioned this before. I may be a fan of the Hornets and all these other teams. The Showtime Lakers were my first love. They were the I, I first actually, team that I, I was in love with. I always look at that team as being the perfect, um, perfect combination of of how you put a roster together. Yeah, you know, like you got guys coming off the bench like Michael Cooper, Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis. You've got these guys who are role players who fill in perfectly. Um, every person from AC Green to to uh, uh, James Worthy, James Worthy, James Worthy, who was an James incredible, Thompson, yeah. incredible player. Any other team, James overall Worthy is your dominant pick. player. Yeah. yeah, he was an overall number one pick for the Lakers. Um, I was looking at Kareem's stats at last season, eighty eight, eighty nine. He only averaged ten points per game. But to your point, Marcus, I mean, you're absolutely right. He was still shooting right around fifty percent from the field, uh, and people got to understand that was like year twenty that he had yeah. been playing. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's out here like. Throwing up sky hooks, it's still the most indefensible shot, indefensible shot in NBA history. Like, and we mentioned that on the rundown before that I'm not sure why big men don't use it still. Right. You know, yeah. like yeah. if, if Joel Embiid did it, like, or Carl Anthony Towns, like, yeah, you need to be doing that. Just like yeah. all summer long, just like go talk to Kareem. Be like, hey man, I want to learn how to do this shot. Can you teach me how to do it? And just I would just sit there and shoot a thousand sky hooks a day until I had it down pat. He, somebody like Carl Anthony Towns could average 32 points a game with the sky hook. You know who should bring it back? Oh. And it'll be it'll be in vogue after this, Zion. Mm. Because you don't he, think he's too short? He has the hops. He has the hops. If he has six seven, if somebody has, if they're basically walling yeah. off, if they're gonna if they're gonna throw basically wall off the uh, the rim for him, then why not just sky above everybody and learn how to do that hook? I've had a lot of time to to kind of swallow this, and I know a lot of people are gonna call me a hater. I'm starting to think Zion's overrated. 
Like just thinking about his season. Well, let me ask you this. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. let me ask you this. If if Zion had the career of like Blake Griffin, would he be a bust? I mean, I believe that's what people would think. I it's, think it's I a think, respectable career, but I think he's so hyped. That's a great question. I think like, that's kind of my point. Yeah, uh, Wiggins is going through that now. Like he was supposed to be the next, you know, LeBron mm, next that's Jordan. A great point. You, you guys have people a res- forget that. People Hold on. forget that how much hype <laughs> Wiggins had. Hold on. Let's 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 make that clear difference. Andrew Wiggins is playing for a check. He is. Yeah. But he doesn't. When he was he, in high like, school. He, he was like that's the next, true. You know, but there's a difference when you want to play the game. You have passion. Like it's different. Zion clearly has passion. Now, I don't know. It may change when he starts making I'm not, millions of I dollars. Don't, I don't want to say but he's like, going to have a great career. One of the things with well, him, like, like no, may, he may not be LeBron. He may not be Jordan. But, like, he plays hard. And there, there's something to playing hard. I'm not saying he's going to go yeah. out there and, and eclipse LeBron or Jordan or anything like that. But, like, you know, if you if that's the if that's the level, then maybe he is overrated. But I still think that he can go out there and do well. Well, I, I hope average twenty five in, yeah. in in twelve. I mean, Julius Randle averaged that for the Pelicans, and he's literally taking his spot. I mean, I, I'm hopeful that people. Te- I actually wish people would temper their expectations with Zion. That's and it's how, not. That's why it's not that I don't think Zion can be that player. It's that we live in a, in a culture in the NBA where guys come in and they either are thought of as busts within their first year, sometimes from their first game. You know, they go out right. and this guy's. Just, you know, you look at a guy like Lonzo Ball. It's like, well, we knew he couldn't shoot. We knew mm-hmm. his dad was crazy. But he's a decent player, and now he's looked at as a bust. You know, I don't know if he'll ever recover. It takes from seven that. years usually for people to yeah. put it together. If you think about it, it's every rare. every yeah. big time NBA player right now. Yeah. it takes seven years for them to really put it together. It's, I mean, think like James Harden was coming off the bench for OKC in 2012 in that Finals, and people kind of forget that now. They see James Harden as the the leader of the, yeah. the Rockets or whatever. Seven with, years later, with Zion, yeah, exactly right. So with Zion, to me, it's like I love the kid. I love his personality. I love. I think he's infectious in terms of like the, the 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 yearning to want to play the game of basketball. His second jump is ridiculous. I think maybe Sean Kemp or Blake Griffin come to mind. But the more I think about what I saw this year, I think we were more in awe that someone that size, the size of like a, a left tackle, was doing these things. Not so much that he was doing things we hadn't seen before. He was doing things we hadn't seen somebody that size do before, and. I had already said, you know, he can't play at 285 for 15 years. He's going to blow his knees out or whatever. Well, it's just his knees physics. could be a problem. He's going to have to lose like 20 pounds. But I don't know if, I don't know if he's even going to do that. Because really, honestly, I followed him through high school. This was the most in shape he has been in really his whole life. Duke like really got well, him ready to go. But will he stay that way going I, forward? I, don't know. I mean, there are flaws in in Zion's game. I mean, every high schooler oh, that you see. Um, that are hyped. I mean, even from Harry Giles, who's from this area, yeah. you know, he's a fan. Harry Giles was one of the greatest players I'd seen in high school, yeah, barring injuries. He did have, he did struggle with injuries. He always has, um, but he was a phenomenal player. I wrote that at the time, scouting him. I said, you know, um, this guy's he's one of the best high schoolers I've seen since since LeBron. That was prior to Zion. Um, but there's flaws in these guys' game that get overlooked because they're so good at this level, you know. Um, so I hope that I hope he gets a little bit of a pass. I mean, he's already selling merchandise, and he's just such yeah. a phenomenon that it's like his his reputation is 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 too much to live up to unless you know he's one of those rare people that can sort of come in like LeBron and, and, and credit it. David Griffin, who's basically saying, "Hey, he's not going to be the savior, guys. Like, yeah. let's, let's yeah. slow down on that." And then he's building a team around him. So 
he doesn't have all that expectation. That's the thing. They've they've done really well in terms of putting a lot of pieces around him. Like, it's not like the Hornets you know, where they, if the oh, Hornets would have got him, the Hornets <laughs> just would have been like, all right, Zion, take us to the problems. Year one. I'm not going to say Let's do it. Save us, Zion. Save us. We're going to get rid of Kimba. Do it year one. <laughs> and then we're going to lowball you. We're going to lowball you in seven oh, years man. when it's time for you to come up again. Speaking of, um, <laughs> speaking of Kimba, we're going to come back to him uh, in just a bit. i got to take a quick break. We're going to come back to Kimba. I have four more second best players if we can. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 336 1600 is the number to call if you want to chime in on any of the topics we've talked on today. Um, but like I said, coming up, since I got Chris Lee in here and it's a rundown takeover, I want to talk a little WWE. We never talk about it during this time period. Big shakeup behind the scenes announced yesterday. I'll get Chris's take on the significance of that. Plus, how do these guys feel about Kemba Walker? Should he stay or should he go? And is he the most beloved Hornet of all time? You're listening to a Rundown Takeover on The Drive. Check out The Rundown at our normal time, 10 a.m. Saturday morning live. Tomorrow, Greensboro News & Records, Brant Wilkerson New will discuss his series of articles this week, that's online at greensboro.com, detailing the roster changes for the ACC Big Four in college basketball. IMG's Ryan Stone will be in in the first hour. Bowman Gray track announcer Randy Pettit will be in the second hour. I'll be joined by Sports Carolina Monthly's Haskell Shelton, Sawyer Dillon, Aaron Gabriel. will all be in the house once again. Join us tomorrow live on Sports Hub Triad. This episode of The Drive, you'll be able to download uh, at sportshubtriad.com. Probably around 6.30, 7 o'clock. Give me a chance to leave one room, go to the other, and make some magic happen. But we'll be able to download that as well. Real quick, uh, some WWE news. WWE named Paul Heyman executive director of Raw and Eric Bischoff executive director of SmackDown Live this week amid slipping ratings and the emergence of All Elite Wrestling, a legit potential competitor to WWE. Chris, uh, give me your thoughts on this change, and are you excited about what it could potentially mean going forward for the rest of the year? Okay. I love it right now. But I got a feeling I'm going to eventually hate it. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> now, right now, like for for the moment, yes, like the product is stale, but it is stale this time of the year. Like between WrestleMania and, and SummerSlam, it's always stale. If you're a wrestling fan, you know this. Um, but you have AEW coming up, which is is huge. Uh, it's there they Amir Khan has the pockets to really run with billionaire with uh, with uh, Vince McMahon. And then also the thing that people aren't talking about is WWE SmackDown switching to Fox. Fox doesn't want to pay all this money just to have a mediocre product. So right now, yes, Eric Bischoff has a proven record, and Paul Heyman, they both have proven records, bring them in. However, it says something when you have Vince McMahon, who's been doing this thing forever, and now his ideas are stale. You have these guys who are basically his competition back in the 90s and early 2000s. Are their ideas stale? At first, it's going to sound great, but then are we going to just start his, having history repeat itself? Why not have Triple H, who runs NXT, and NXT arguably is the hottest brand WWE yes. has, Yes. and you bring up guys from NXT, your development league, it's just like going to the Greensboro Swarm games and you have a better time watching those and you and you like the players at the swarm game better than going to the Hornets game and you're like, oh, I'm bored with this. That's a fantastic That is exactly what yeah. and but that's what that's the position WWE is in. Mm. So why not take the guy who's running the hottest brand and let him be an executive director? And then here's another thing. Why aren't you um 
the you're developing all these wrestlers. Why aren't you developing people in the background who can do this? Yeah, Vince, yeah. Writers. step aside, please. Well, I was thinking that he was <laughs> going to step aside really going into the fall after they move SmackDown Live to Fox because he's starting the XFL again. So, I mean, that's a spring football he's a, league he's in alive, February. So he's not going to step aside. <laughs> you don't think he'll ever move away totally? No. Now, I would like to think that, yes, Triple H is still CAO and uh, he's got a couple different titles or whatever. And, yes, he does oversee NXT. I, I would think that you would like to think they offered one of them to Triple H first and he said no because he knew if he stepped away from NXT that it would affect NXT and that's his baby, so maybe maybe they offered him one of them, and he was like, nah, I'm good where I am. I, Paul Heyman, I totally understand. Like, that should have happened three years ago. Like, I, I respect his, his mind in terms of what it is. And I remember when he was running SmackDown, like a decade ago, and SmackDown was like... It was it, amazing. Yeah, when they had Edge and, like, John Cena. Like, they, they brought all these new guys in, and they became stars and carried the company. And But this is where WWE is at. They're stuck right now because... Like you, you have you have to bring back these guys from twenty years ago who were your competition, to to give you new life. What sense does that make if you really think about it? At the end of the day, and then why is the Undertaker still wrestling? Man, look, his he was supposed to have his he was supposed to have his last match eight years ago against Triple H at WrestleMania, and now we're talking about him potentially going against uh, Drew McIntyre at the next WrestleMania. Like, come Ugh. on, man, like like. Get this out of here. We were why, why do we always have to go back from 20 years ago to give the product new life? That means that you're not developing from the inside. We, uh, Me and Aaron actually had on, well, we didn't have it on, but we saw the clip when they did the Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it was actually on while we were finishing up the drive, oh and God. Aaron came across a thread that was showing uh, clips of the Undertaker-Goldberg match. And Grant, yes, Goldberg had a concussion or something early in the match, uh, but did the match how he happened. got it? Yeah. Because he's clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's old. And he's done that before. I mean, this is the guy that's given himself a concussion, ramming his head into the, the wall before he walked out to the, the arena. And what Undertaker's like in his 50s, I think. Goldberg, I think, is in his early 50s. And it just, it looked like it was just a total disaster. It was horrible. It's been a while since I've seen wrestling. I kind of checked out somewhere around John Cena's emergence. Um, but to to see, like, the Und- I remember the Undertaker full force. I'm talking like back in the day, Purple Gloves Undertaker. Like I oh, remember wow. that. Yeah, you went all the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to see that, like that was pretty bad. That was bad stuff. It was awful. They were falling over each other, and if that's what they've been doing, like yeah, they got to get that out of there because I'm not trying to. But it's it's almost like they don't know how to. They know how to build the talent in NXT, and you got lots of guys coming out and girls coming out of NXT and you're, you're so excited for them to get to the main roster. And now I've been like, I almost don't want them to go to the main roster because they don't know what to it do with it. them when they get up there. The the th- Here's the thing. I don't know if you heard, um, Seth, not Seth, uh, Dean Ambrose's uh, AKA John Moxley's interviews. He had two really big interviews them, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were long. One of the things that's a problem is, is all the scripting they do on the main roster. So when you're doing these 20 minute promos and every single thing is scripted. Like when all, when Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin came up with Austin 316, that was off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you don't know what magic these guys can make if you're making them stick to the script every single time. You're literally handcuffing your your talent. And so you're not allowing them to come up with some magical moment. Back when I was a wrestler, 
there's certain things that we didn't talk about in the back, and then you get out there, you get a feel for the crowd, and you're like, you, do you call it out yeah. there, and it becomes the magical moment of the match, and you never planned it. It's organic. And, and sometimes that's – and I'm not going to tell what happened, but at AML Wrestling <laughs> – AML, shout out to AML is a local. I gotta uh, know more about this. Yeah. I have no idea that you AML, have a storied wrestling. AML is a local uh, organization. You guys need to check them out. You guys need to, uh, if you love wrestling, they're amazing. But there's something that happened there, there where we started, and that literally was something that was literally called on the fly, and it helped propel one of the wrestlers there. Wow. Because you have that freedom and capability. It doesn't seem like they really have that right now, unless you're like a top, top, top guy. Like maybe Seth Rollins has that ability, or maybe AJ Styles has that ability, but. It, you're right. Like it, the Attitude Era, it felt like they pushed more for guys to be themselves, like The Rock and Austin and Triple H. And once they became themselves, instead of the stuff they were pushing on them, it, it exploded wrestling in general. And right. I don't know, between Eric Bischoff and and uh, Paul Heyman starting to run things, probably by late July, I think that's what the word was, things maybe will start to turn around. I do need to flip back over to NBA real quick uh, because we did get some breaking news in the commercial break here. Uh, speaking of the L.A. Lakers and Kawhi Leonard, Sources are now saying that Kawhi Leonard will speak to the Los Angeles Lakers in the next few days, and he has made a personal request that only owner Jeannie Buss and Magic Johnson, the team's former president of basketball operations, be involved in the meeting. These are sources that have told ESPN Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Kawhi is expected to allow the Raptors to make the final presentation among the teams meeting with him in Los Angeles next week. I didn't realize all these teams are coming to meet him in L.A. next week. So he's not even... Kawhi, man, Kawhi's man. He he walks a different beat. You know what I mean? Like, no one knows where he's going. He hasn't really said much of anything, other than he just wants to win. He's got all these guys coming to see him in L.A. next week. The Raptors are going last, but does that even matter? Like, do you think that matters that he's giving the Raptors the last shot? It's hard to say. I mean, I think I think with with Kawhi, a lot of this is speculation. I say ninety nine percent of what you're hearing about Kawhi is speculation. It's coming from people who are they have this idea that they, they know how he thinks and clearly we don't um not at you all know, I, I, I think the, the <laughs> san antonio <laughs> uh debacle proved that yeah i, I was going to say that you know when you talk about all the connections maybe he knows where he's going to go but because he does have connections and he's cool with certain people maybe it's like all right i'll That's do you a favor i'll at point. least hear you mm. out yeah you think I'll he's going to, to toronto you. like you know you guys did me a solid yeah, maybe, a great maybe, time. He, maybe he already knows i want to stay in toronto but because he's cool with Palinka, maybe he's cool with somebody else yep. on a, on another team. He's like, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll do you guys a favor. I'll be at home anyway. I'll come hear you out. I'll hear what you have to say. Here's the thing that people don't really realize. I mean, they probably do, but they don't really. The Kevin Durant injury changed everything because it opened up the West. You know, before I think yeah. Kawhi would have been more likely to stay in Toronto because it was an easier path to the finals with Golden State looming out there. But with Durant hurt and Clay Thompson hurt. Now the Lakers do look like a spot where, okay, I can go back to L.A., I can play for the A squad instead of settling for the Clippers, I can, you know, basically be a Laker. And if he grew up in Southern California, I guarantee you, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he did not grow up wanting to be an L.A. Clipper. He grew up wanting to be and well, watch the L.A. Kawhi, Lakers. Though. You don't know. <laughs> There's no way. There's no. Who was he following? Like Michael Olawa Candy? Like what, what was he? he like whose poster was paint, on his man. wall? Like don't, I mean, don't knock down Big O. Three three six seven 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 sixteen hundred is the number to call if you want to chime in. Here we got a little bit more time before we hit our last segment. Um, do we need to make anything of this that that Kawhi didn't want Rob Palenka in the room when I he meets that, with them? I, I, my guess is that's been leaked by Magic. But remember what I that's said? That's the source. I'm telling that's you, the man, I'm telling you that Laker organization is so dysfunctional. Sawyer, I'm getting uh three minutes ago 
Magic Johnson came out and said he actually cannot like he NBA rules does not allow him to be a part of team meetings. Um, and he said that he has not been asked by the Lakers or um, Genie Bus to participate in these meetings. So. What does that we'll mean? See. Yeah. So he can't even so he can't be at the meeting, but fast. everyone's kind of saying he might can meet with them, I guess, under the table. Like, not under the table. How is Magic can't be official. so available for this? They're going to call him on three-way. <laughs> That's right. Skype with him. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. The room yeah. Little, yeah. They got some modern technology is a wonder. <laughs> is that illegal for him to be sitting over, like, an iPad screen over like in the a, corner, like, on a pole? Magic Johnson hologram. I'm trying to figure this out, like. Why would it matter? He's not a part of the franchise anymore. Why would that be illegal? Like, who's that hurting if Magic Johnson's sitting in the room? I don't know what the NBA bylaws are for, for that type of stuff. <laughs> if he's over in the corner, Apparently you know, Magic drinking a, either. <laughs> sipping an orange vanilla Coke and, like, just listening to Genie Bus talk to Kawhi, clearly Kawhi just wants to talk to Magic because he must be like, well, he convinced LeBron to come here. I like the fact that we know more about Magic's opinion about this news than we know about Kawhi. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have no idea if what Kawhi thinks, but Magic, we got him on speaker to, you know, phone like, right away. Man, this is gonna be this is gonna be wild because I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen. Like I literally don't know what's going to happen. And it's gonna more losses. That's what's gonna happen. By this time next week, we may be looking at the NBA and everything I just said today means nothing. <laughs> like everything might be different. We might have a super team built out. In two West. days. Yeah, in two, two days. days. Like By yeah. dinner time Sunday, stuff's gonna start to fall. Oof. And it sounds like Kawhi wants to be the last domino, not the first. Because he's talking about he's not even gonna make a decision until well, he's not he's supposed to meet the Raptors till like the sixth or something like that. So he's gonna wait a little bit. You know what Kawhi has has proved to me ever since they won this championship? What's up? Kawhi's a gangster. <laughs> yeah. He's a gangster. That's it. I see and I was thinking gangster to myself. In a good way well, or gangster gangster like, like in a good in a great in every way. Like yeah. the guy is super quiet. Wise man once said, real G's move aside is like lasagna. Yeah. Okay. All right. No celebrations, no nothing until they won the chip. Yep. yep. Then he celebrated just fine. You know what I mean? He had no <laughs> problem celebrating. Then that man is about his business, yep. and his business is basketball. He won't even dap you up before the game. Nah, nothing. Nothing. He's cold. Not man. even to get hype. That's a cold gangster. Yep. <laughs> no, I think you're right, man. Board man gets paid. Board man gets mean? paid. That's all does that is. does that mean he understands where he is right now in Toronto? Because Toronto is the best fit for him, to be honest. Like Gasol just opted back in. They'll have money to resign Danny Green. Pascal Siaka, man. I I was saying it during the finals. I really like that kid. I think he's going to be fantastic if he's got Kawhi Leonard to learn off of the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Why not take a two-year deal like Durant and LeBron's been doing? A two-year deal with a player option after year one. Try to run it back, win back to back. If it don't work, go to LA the next year. I think it's been reported that's what he's going to try to do. He's going to do the two-year, and then once you're in there for ten years, then you can get thirty-five percent of yes. the yeah. Yeah, so I think that's the plan anyway. And that's literally the template that LeBron laid out when he got back to Cleveland. They said it was because he was trying to keep pressure on the ownership. I think it's because he didn't want to get locked into a deal where he'd be getting paid less than what he ultimately ended up getting from the Lakers because he just kept taking basically one-year deals and re-upping. Durant was doing the same thing in Golden State, and yep. now now all of a sudden Durant wants a five-year Supermax deal, but that's because he's sitting at home with a torn Achilles. So, I mean, he probably well, well, took that, another two-year deal. He he didn't uh, qualify for the Supermax because um, the team that has your bird rights can do that. So, right. so once he left uh, OKC willingly, then the next team can't do it. So then you do the you get to the 10-year mark, and then that's why. Then so you can do it. Yeah, yeah, so he's basically playing the system. Man, so wow. So there, we're, we're going to talk even more about this tomorrow morning on the rundown, uh, 10 a.m. live. You can definitely check us out there. But uh, coming up, we're going to end this the way we normally end a rundown show. Odds and ends 
Rapid fire multiple topics. Sawyer's going to give us a minute to give our opinions on each one, and we'll wrap it up next on The Drive. I love talking and conversing with you. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. I gotta say, uh, my producer Sawyer has been on fire today with the picks he's been picking for the uh, for our bumps here. You've been listening to the Drive with Josh Graham. I've been your guest host, Desmond Johnson. I've had a blast doing this today. Um, you have been in the middle of a rundown takeover the last hour of this show. Netcastsports.com's Marcus Shockley in the house. WXI TV Sports Chris Lee in the house as well. And if you're familiar with the rundown, 10 a.m. every morning live. Well, not every morning. Excuse me. 10 a.m. every Saturday morning live on SJS Sports Hub. You know how we usually end this. Um, this is segment's called Odds and Ends. Sawyer sets a stop clock for one minute, and at the end of each topic, we'll hear a buzzer sound. Sawyer, go ahead and lay them on us. All right, here we go. First up, Kawhi Leonard is going to let the Raptors make the final pitch to him after hearing from the Lakers and the Clippers. Is it a big deal that the la- that the Raptors will go last? Well, we we talk. Well, now I don't think it is at all. If if this is true, what Stephen A. is saying that the Laker he personally requested this from Bus and Magic Johnson, that makes it sound like he's really thinking about this, right? Or I don't believe it. You don't believe that he's. I, I don't. I believe. I don't believe that leak. I don't believe most of what I've heard. I think Kawhi had a plan. A plan in place, and he's going with it. Whatever. Whatever is set up. And I think work for him. Part of the plan: hear people out, and then like I know I want to be here, so I'm going to give you guys the last shot, and you're going to remember what you heard last. So maybe he's looking forward to staying in Toronto. That's that's a good point. I mean, I don't know if it matters. Well, actually, you know what? if there's somebody else, I'd say it probably doesn't matter. But with Kawhi, I think everything he does is calculated, so maybe it does matter. But we'll, we're going to find out here soon enough. <laughs> All right. Soon enough. <laughs> After everything we have heard this season, is Kyrie Irving the main reason why the Celtics underachieved, and how has it affected the perception of Kyrie? That's 100%. 100% true. Wow. 100%. Mark it down. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to put some blame on Brad Stevens because he's the head coach, and he's the guy that started Gordon Hayward when he should not have been out there in the beginning of the year. And he's the one that kind of gave Kyrie the freedom to – do what he ended up doing, which was jack 40 shots or whatever. Uh, it, it felt like it changed from October when it started the season to around about February or so when when Kyrie uh, he started making different comments about wanting to stay. Kyrie is the main reason, man. Like last year during Jason Tatum's rookie year, at one point he was shooting 50% from three, and then you had him dunking on LeBron in, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And then the second year, I felt like I heard nothing about him. Yeah. So you got a future all-star on your team. That's the first time I've heard a Duke fan just, like, come down on Kyrie Irving. But that's that felt good. But (laughs) to pump up another Duke star, though. That's true. You did. You did slide in there. (laughs) there. Uh, Here we go. If you're Kevin Durant, how mad are you you at the Warriors medical staff? A little big or a little mad or big mad? Will the injury prevent him from returning to the Warriors? And also, who is the top player in the NBA at the start of next season? I'm a little mad if I'm Kevin Durant. Man, I'm big mad. I'm I'm I got curious. I think you're a grown man. You have your own medical staff. You make your own decisions. Yeah. You gotta. I mean, you gotta protect the players from themselves. He'd go out there with one leg if he thought he could play. But if I, mean, I made the decision, I can't be mad at somebody for not holding me back. That, eh. I gotta be mad at somebody. So I'd be mad, <laughs> I'd be mad at the Warriors medical. Can't blame me. I'm I'm, hey, I'm Kevin Durant. Always somebody you know to me. blame. Sometimes people just get hurt. You know who I am. I'm Kevin Durant. Next year, top player Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm, that's a good pick, Mark. I go with Giannis. Uh, I hope I hope he uh, develops some kind of like shot, like a 15 footer or something, because that's the one He's thing just he doesn't a destroyer, have. Destroyer, man. Yeah. He's- He's the future of the league. Everything. 
Um, I'm going to go LeBron James. As a matter of fact, Boo. I'm going to say right here, no LeBron way. James is going to win the MVP next year. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Everyone says he fell off and stuff. My man averaged 27, 7, and 7. I mean, he, where did brick. he fall off? He hurt his groin. I mean, come on. Disagree. Wow. <laughs> it's playing up the front of the Just more haters, there. LeBron. Just more <laughs> haters, man. Just let those haters be your motivators and uh, get that uh, the MVP trophy that uh, that you probably deserve. Download shows at sportshubtribe.com. We will be back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. for a full edition of The Rundown. Josh Graham returns on Monday. Have a great weekend.